are you going to stand there and talk to me about God with that marijuana joint in your hands? God made everything. He made the birds and the bees, the flowers and these trees. And I want to thank him. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Director's Club podcast. I am Jim Laskowski. I'm Patrick Rapol. And uh, today we have a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Should we restart? No, don't. It's going to be an outrageous episode. I'm excited, I'm excited about the guest we have today, because he's really one of my favorite uh, film writers on the internet, mm-hmm. which is to say he, he doesn't write film, like he doesn't <laughs> write film film reviews or anything. Uh, his name Observations. is Evan Satoff. Um, he, uh, you probably better know him as Sam Strange on Badass Digest. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't read his um, articles on Badass Digest, you're missing out on what I, I seriously think is just one of the funniest things on the internet, especially regarding film. Yeah. So read the uh, tree of life, the one. tree of life yeah, one's really great. Good. I love the clerks one. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of yeah. fifth elements. Amazing. But, uh, welcome Evan. Thanks guys. Yeah. Welcome from the future. Yeah. Whoa. Evan's, uh, beaming in right from a uh, Taiwan. Hmm. A, That's a, right. A concrete box from Taiwan. He doesn't know how he got there. Uh, is this he like has, buried? It's buried. He has a limited battery on his cell phone, and he, he's chosen to use it to Skype with us. That's so cool. Yeah, especially considering who our director we're covering today uh, is. This episode is Tyler Perry. Yes, the uh, former lead singer of the band Journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then he went on to a successful solo career. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm very excited to talk about Mr. Perry. Yeah, Mr. Perry's wonderful. Um, yeah. I'm talking about Tyler Perry, though. Oh! Yeah. Oh, I see I the confusion. About, yeah, that wasn't a comedy bit at all. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I, I think I was thinking of Perry Como. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. I was thinking about uh, Walter and Perry from Home Movies. <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> the <laughs> fridge. This has to stop. Um, Tyler Perry, the controversial, uh, hated, and uh, sometimes defended uh, black filmmaker from. Uh, I believe he, Louisiana. He was born. He was born in New Orleans, but I think he uh, sort of started his. He's an Atlanta in, guy. Yeah, Atlanta. 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 Yeah. Um, he so, is Atlanta. Yeah, he ba- yeah he basically is Atlanta. Uh, apologies to our friends over at Chud, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm very excited to talk about him because there's a lot to say about him and. Uh, I do want to say, you know, I, I've seen people comment that they're not exactly sure why we're covering Tyler Perry. And I, I think I don't I never thought this show was about like the great directors. I thought the show was no, sort because of, we talked about Rob Zombie. Right. We open with Rob <laughs> Zombie and Cameron Crowe. I think it's sort of the idea with this show has always been more to cover sort of the wide range of film and directors and stuff. And I think uh, Tyler even, Perry even filmmakers, we don't have any experience with at all. And that's right. It's been most interesting for mm-hmm. me. And I. There's just so much to say about him and his work and his sort of cultural status and everything. It's 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 a very complicated and bizarre thing that I think like a million people have written about, but I don't think any of them have really gotten it right. Mm-hmm. I don't think that many people have written about him. Really? I I, I maybe uh, maybe not so recently, but I, I believe like in the last uh, like in the first sort of couple years of uh, 
uh, there was a lot of people not like, you know, um, it's sort of along mostly along the lines of like what Spike Lee uh, did, where they're just sort of mad at him. Yeah, a lot of harsh criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the first movie came out, that's there's certainly like everyone had their shot, and uh, I think they kind of gave up after that. Yeah, and I wanted to briefly uh, read. We got a listener email from our reliable fan mm-hmm. Robert Reinecke. So the email says, I. And I suspect lots of listeners know of Tyler Perry, but know virtually nothing of his actual movies. I admire the niche he's carved out for himself, but I know I'm not the target audience. Still, considering his place in modern filmmaking, I'm glad you're tackling him, even though I suspect that you're probably not the target audience either. I expect the show to be informative, educational, and funny. I hope so, too. God, high hopes already. He's putting <laughs> oh, a lot man. on us. Robert used to be one of my favorites, but this yeah. pressure he's been putting on me, I'm not a big fan of that at all. People change. People uh, change. It's true. We're definitely not the target. Uh, that's something I definitely wanted to sort of mention <laughs> is uh, there's a lot of sort of cultural um, y- you know, controversy surrounding him and not being of the black community. You know, uh, I understand if people think we're not, you know, we are not uh, prepared prepared or capable mm-hmm. of tackling it but i think we're going to do it anyway we yeah, should handle it i think the only minority among us is, right now is evan because he's a white guy in taiwan <laughs> <laughs> you know? well technically i'm a minority that's true yeah. here in taiwan yeah but the way people look at me i don't think it's quite the same thing it's more like um ooh, yeah there's a white person <laughs> which is a lot different i think than than what black people have to deal with, especially black people in Taiwan. (laughs) (laughs) Taiwan is a town in Atlanta. (laughs) Right. Could be. be. Anyway. um, I also, you know, since we normally do bring up our in-house stuff at the top of the show, I wanted to reiterate the fact, especially since our um, best of the year episode went so well and we're so grateful for the voicemails we got, I just wanted to... um, you know, let everybody know that anybody, not just, uh, you know, previous guests can leave a voicemail at any time instead of uh, shooting us an old email. So mm-hmm. leave us a voicemail at 224-366-9528. we got to figure out what letters those are. That's true. we got to get on that letter, too. <laughs> that's a good idea. I didn't, I didn't check. Oh, that's fine. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll pick the dirtiest one we can think of. Yeah. Um, and everybody knows pretty much every other way yeah. to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. Or just listen till the end. Yeah, or we mentioned all again. Yeah. Uh, you think we're ready to talk about what we watched this week? I hope so, because we are. All right, <laughs> here we go. Woo! What did we watch this week? What did we watch this week? What did we watch this week? Maybe a movie. So, Evan, I think we should start with you. Um, yeah, we like putting the guest on oh, the spot. Yeah. Uh, Shit. Now, uh, even okay. though you're in Taiwan, you do get to see you know new movies. and Occasionally, occasionally a movie will actually come out in Taiwan. Hmm. Uh, 
the day the day it's supposed to uh, worldwide. So I got to see Haywire the other day, the new Steven Soderbergh movie, right? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> as far as you know, where you uh, you love movies, all movies, but you have like the kind, the certain one that. Is just for you. I'm into good 90 minute long action movies. That's kind of my thing. And Haywire, that's exactly what it was. It's sort of like, as Soderbergh movies go, it's kind of like the the, the limey because it's it's cool. It's pretty it's pretty uh, compact, and um, it has the broken timeline stuff because there's a flashback at the beginning and all that stuff. But really. The whole idea of the movie is there's this badass lady in real life, you know, this, I think, MMA fighter, mm-hmm. and she can do all kinds of crazy shit with her body. So let's make a movie where you can watch her doing that. She's not a great actress, but we'll surround her with really, really, really great actors and watch her kind of tear through each of them one at a time and almost a, almost like a video game structure, which is something i also really like a lot yeah and it's actually it's by the same screenwriter as the limey lem dobbs yeah and what's the other one he wrote another soderbergh movie i can't Uh, remember which one hmm. the limey and then let's see uh third one i don't know if there was a third one oh kafka 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 oh shit i haven't seen that at all it's good have you seen that one yeah it's real good it's really out there well, I would I'm imagining not was... tight, compact genre picture. No. No, uh, yeah, it no. sounds like it. And they had beef with each other over the limey, right? If you listen to the commentary yes. track. But I guess they worked it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I think that's kind of what the commentary track on the limey was, was them working it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the girl is, is, I would love, you know, like I said, she's not a great actress. But it, it sort of doesn't matter, and it would be – I would totally love to see her in more movies. I'm sure that if she were in more movies, they wouldn't be quite as good as this one. Uh, but mm. she was really awesome. You know, she was really fun to watch on Gina, screen, she, so she it's, had it's, that. It's either Gina Carano or Carano or – Sounds right. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I was looking at the cast uh, just yesterday, and I was kind of amazed at all these people – so am I? Am I right in assuming that she just sort of tears through Channing Tatum, Ewan McGregor, Antonio Banderas? She doesn't get to. She doesn't get to tear through, in the traditional sense, Antonio Banderas. Okay. <laughs> you kind of want her to, because because he has that. He's so cool in the movie. You know, he has a big black and white beard. You know, and he's fucking Antonio Banderas. When he talks, he's just cool. Yeah. And, oh, my mom is gonna uh, love this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> Michael Douglas. It's always great to see Michael Douglas, and he's he's in it. And um, they're they're not. I mean, we you know we have this spoiler thing. Not everybody's a bad guy in the movie. Okay, uh, that's on the poster. But some of them are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she takes care of everybody <laughs> as they need to be taken care of. It's not like a movie that has a story that you really can spoil. But if you want a movie that has action in it. And no bullshit. There's no reason why you wouldn't like Haywire. Yeah. It's as simply as simple as I can put it. It, give, it delivers everything that it promises. And, uh, and the action is photographed well. And lately, that's about all you can ask for. That's a very exhilarating thing when you get that uh, lately. Definitely. And I'm a big fan of this, uh, I guess, maybe with the rise of CGI and sort of digital stunt, stunt people – 
Like, there's a lot more stars uh, where, you know, they just make them look like they did their own stunts by, you know, CGIing their face onto a stunt stuntman <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'm yeah. a big, bigger fan of sort of the uh, death proof approach where you just, you know, you just cast a bunch of people who do what you, you cast need. a badass. Right. Mm-hmm. And you do you do what needs to be, you know, you, you cast stunt drivers for people who need to do stunt driving in that way. You know, and that's how it used to be. I mean, it, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme wasn't in all those movies because he was a great actor, you know? No. He knows how to punch a snake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, even Steven Seagal started out strong, I think, with Above the Law. Yeah. And then he wound up working with a bunch of shitty directors. I think the only two good movies that he did were Under Siege and uh, Above the Law, and both of those were by the same director, Andrew Davis. I like a couple, I like a couple more than than. That. But I'm not a cigar guy, but I, I yeah, like uh, He kicks some butt, you know. But I, I'm not saying, like, she, you know, him and her on par with one another. No, but, but Death Proof is the movie to bring up. It's, it's, it's not, like, aesthetically like Death Proof at all. But it is a movie where they took, uh, mm-hmm. they took a person who is capable of doing something other people can't do and building a movie around them. And making that work. And I think that that's a fine way to make a movie, a small movie. And that's what it is. I really like Death Proof a lot. I know a lot of people don't like it. But um, they both have very, very uh, specific intentions. And they nail them, I think. And, and so it's a different kind of way to build a movie, but it yeah. works. And so there's nothing wrong with it. And that's sort I mean, you can even go back to fucking, you know, our musicals, you know, that's that yeah, musicals. Exactly. People who can mm-hmm. dance. Yeah, yeah. You get people who can dance. You get people who can sing. You get people who can do both. And then you got Gene Kelly and you got Judy Garland in a movie. You know, it's, you know, because all the, all the crazy CGI, we still want to go see movies and see stuff that we can't believe. Mm-hmm. And now that anything can happen, the only thing that is really going to be that surprising is, is stuff that you, um, you know, going in is exciting because this is a real person. I believe, so, yeah. It oh, delivers that. Yeah. I, I, believe, I believe that was sort of the, uh, draw the appeal of, um, step up 3d as well. <laughs> the sort of step up movies is, they instead of you know casting Julia Stiles to learn how to you know do hip hop dancing, they just cast hip hop dancers who do sort of amazing things with their bodies. Right, yeah. and and I've only seen the trailer, but I mean you can't take away that shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah, and yeah, it's... I like that. That's... No, I'm excited. I'm more I'm, I'm more of a fan of the uh, naturalistic action you know approach to making uh, action movies. I think Paul Greengrass did a really great job with the Bourne movies, like how in the action scenes there wouldn't be any score to accentuate things. It would just be two guys kicking each other's ass. But isn't – okay, because I never watched the Bourne movies because they look like the exact thing I wouldn't like. I mean, it has the shaky cam stuff. Yeah, Yeah, Well, the Bourne movies are really good. I think you should watch them. Even even though they sort of – wasn't that sort of the origin point of sort of shaky cam action or – yeah, but you can't – the origin is not the thing to criticize. It's it's where it went afterwards. Yeah. It's definitely an, a purposeful part of the aesthetic of those movies, and it works for those movies. Those are good movies. They, they're sure. really dry, no bullshit, uh, no romance. Well, I mean, there's romance in the first one, but it it's, feels authentic, and it's good. I, uh, it's a, a hero who doesn't fuck around with like quips or anything like that, and uh, they're really serious, really good, really quick movies, and I, I highly recommend them, despite the shaky cam. Yeah. I mean, I'll, well, that's I'll, I'll make a point to check them out, but I think my main sort of sort of reason to think it might not be for me is 
to me, the reason you cast Matt Damon is because he's just so charming and fun. And from what you, from what I hear, it's just very kind of dry and humorless. Like I'd rather him do quips, honestly. <laughs> uh, I don't think you would if you saw. I, I think he pulls it off oh, really, oh, yeah. really well. He's right, a surprise then. in those movies. All right. In fact, well, I was watching yeah. Contagion. I, I sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was watching real quick. I was watching Contagion this week, and I I couldn't believe Matt Damon in that movie. It struck me that I couldn't believe he's the same. He, he, as the born Matt Damon, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. a really good actor, and he can showing do that, that kind stuff. of vulnerability was was great to see. I mean, he did a great job in the informant, which might be his best performance, I think. I still haven't seen the informant. Yeah, really the informant's another, another one. Movie. The, it it is a little like um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of uh, of the he's doing a completely different character, so we're going to transform his face with makeup, and it is a little like they're trying. Does he have more than the mustache and glasses? I, I, put well, on the, some weight. He put, it, on, some he weight. put on weight, and I think they um, try to make I him look old. I, I think <laughs> I no, think no. Just put on some weight. I, I, I think they tried to make him look older, and it's a movie that takes place over a long period of time, and some of the old age makeup as the movie goes on gets a little. Well, yeah, for the last act especially. Yeah, it's got um, like a bald kind of a, you know, the comb over look oh, <laughs> towards the yeah. end, which is just funny to which, see. Which again, it just might be my disconnect with. Uh, it just might instead of instead of being actual bad makeup, it might just be the initial sort of disconnect between knowing what Matt Damon looks like and seeing him in that movie. You know, but I love yeah. Matt Damon. I think he's great. My, absolute, my I think my favorite Damon is True Grit. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was good. Probably. Yeah. Next episode we're doing uh, is um, Gus Van Zandt. I just picked up Jerry. So, oh, oh, I'm afraid to watch Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not for everyone. Uh, I think as far as um, Gus Van Zandt's super slow pondering kind of movies, it's the best. I mean, uh-huh. I have a, th- I do have a thing for Last Days, um, but I think Jerry yeah, is a better right. movie. Um, of those, I, I've only seen the Elephant from that whole Gus Van Zandt era. That's the only one I've seen. I'll, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more good. about Gus Van Zandt next episode, but... Yeah, I'm excited for that. Elephant's kind of a weird one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say definitely Jerry's... I mean, it's not... I was going to say it's short, but I forgot it is not. It is about... It's only 100 <laughs> minutes, right? It's, it's 100 a, minutes? Well, what's interesting about it is it's 100 minutes long. But 100 long. of those minutes. It's 100 minutes long, and it's exactly 100 shots. Um, <laughs> so it averages out to one edit a minute. So interesting. That's like... I guess that's sort of a thing he you know, put on himself a restriction. Mm-hmm. So, well, speaking of really good, tight yeah. action movies. All right. What'd you watch, Jim? Man, it was such a joy to go back to yeah. 1985 uh-huh. to revisit my love of George P. Cosmatos. If that's how you say his name, Rambo first blood part two, baby. Oh uh. God, is this movie good? And I know at the time, Boy, did it get horrible reviews. It got, like, Golden Raspberry Awards and all that shit. And, you know, I know also, that doesn't matter, but... Also, it was the number one, number two movie at the box office that year. Yes, it was. So, yes, it know. was. And I saw it at a very impressionable age. I saw... I believe Rocky Four came out the same year. Yep. And yeah. seeing both of those as a kid and not being aware of implausibility... It just gave you an America boner for it, life. It pretty much, it pretty much did. <laughs> Your boner, like if you look at it now, it's got red, white, and blue veins. It, it absolutely. You couldn't be more correct. Your boner has an SUV. Yeah. 
That's why I keep and looking, it honks. It honks at everybody. Your boner had a secret war in Central America. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to find an Ivan Drago. Yeah. <laughs> I so, got to find a boner. Russian boner. I've, I've actually never seen. I have only seen First Blood. Oh, Patrick. Yeah, I haven't oh. even seen the new Rambo. Everyone you're raved taking, about. You're taking my Blu-ray home with you, baby. Thank you. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm. I don't know. I I'm an unabashed fan of this film, as ridiculous and out of control as it gets. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's so much of like criticism against Stallone as an actor is you know he takes the material too seriously or whatever. Um, you know, and and I will admit that I think both First Blood and Part Two, and I don't remember Part Three at all. It sucks. It sucks. That's what I. Re- that's it, what everyone said, and I remember not liking it when I saw it in the theater either. It, it's like part two, but everything you like about part two just doesn't work in part three. Right, and I mean, it all, both the first two movies end with a very preachy monologue about you know Vietnam vets. Is the is in the second movie? Is it as great as the first movie's monologue? No, where it's not no, as long. No. Oh, okay. no, no, I'm not even talking about lo- like he just because in the fir- in first blood. Stallone just fucking goes for it, and he like is just incoherent. You can make out like you mm-hmm. can sort of make out the meaning of most of the sentences. Yeah, you, in this one it's pretty quick. You know, it's just like I want what every man wants, kind of a speech. Oh, I see. But it's very, it's not nearly as long and over the over the top as yeah. the first one. Get the get it over yeah. the top. Okay, so mm. no, but and I remember that. The the year after this came out, I saw Cobra, and it was the same director. And I don't know. There's something about the moment that Stallone just fucking you know goes ape dookie, mm-hmm. and you know he he he's you know the the the, the moment this it turns into a sort of an orgy, a symphony of violence <laughs> that's really exploitive and beautiful in its own way. You know he just. He just says, Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. And the whole rest of the movie is fucking balls to the wall. Explode. He fucking shoots grenade arrows at actual Vietnamese soldiers. Does he, use, does he get to use his fist? Yeah, not know. so much. Does he use his fist? I don't think he does. No. His he F- uses his, his knife. Does he get to use his, F- his F-I-S-T? No. Unfortunately <laughs> not. <laughs> So you would say that? Never mind. I'm just going to go through his entire filmography. Does he strike like a cobra? <laughs> Do they get locked up? Does he, he does. S- he does get locked up. Oh, at, does, one point. at any point does he stop? And at any point does his mom shoot? <laughs> no, his mom's not in this. All unfortunately, right, that's fine. But Richard Crenna plays like a father figure. Now, okay. Now this is I honestly. Like, I I don't know if I'm not big into 80s action movies or I just never really gave him a shot. Like, the only one I can really think of is Commando. How is how is the action, like, shot? Is it exciting or is it just, like, close-ups of guns firing and stuff? Like, There's a little bit of that. Yeah. But, I mean, I say once the final climactic battle after he escapes, there's so many long shots of him just blowing up stuff from mm-hmm. a distance. And, you you know, he, he sets up little booby traps for them too that is really cool it turns into home alone basically that's nice um i didn't realize until can you imagine how great it'd be if home alone turned into (laughs) first blood part two oh man man don't tease me that would be so somebody needs to make an adult home alone type movie (laughs) 
like like that one episode of The Critic. <laughs> he reviews Home Alone twenty. And it's like we left home we can't left Kevin home alone. He's only twenty seven. And like uh. a cigarette falls out of his mouth, he goes, Ah <laughs> It's a good episode. That's yeah. a good show. I need to rewatch that show. I loved it when it was on. Right. Um but uh, no, I'm just I'm just shocked to find out because I didn't know this until I rewatched it just this very week. S- James Cameron co wrote the screenplay. Did not know yeah. that at all. Yeah. Really interesting. Because I mean that that's this this was a time when I was falling in love with the movies and just seeing you know things like this and the and the Terminator and uh, you know, I mean like there, there's just something about that go for broke action style that I don't know I don't I don't know if something like this would I mean obviously he's he's trying to recapture that to some extent with the Expendables and it's funny in Rambo uh, First Blood Part Two at one point um, he talks to uh, some uh a v- i think it's a vietnamese woman he meets up with and sh- and he uh he says that <laughs> he actually says to her that guess what i'm expendable and she what goes expendable what, what does mean expendable <laughs> and he goes it means if you're invited to a party and you don't show up it doesn't matter <laughs> I, I I like imagining Evan watching that scene, and then when she goes, "What mean expendable?" He's like, "I didn't ex- listen. I'm I'm watching this movie take a break from work." <laughs> oh god! No, but um, Charles Napier plays Murdoch, and uh, one of the evil guys from one of the I think it's the karate coach Martin Cove is in this as well. Uh, so, I mean, if you're just feeling nostalgic and want to go back to the 80s and enjoy some kick-ass action, I'm, I, I wouldn't mind revisiting all the Rambos just for fun. It, it has the guy from Beverly Hills Cop with the dot in his forehead, right? Like, uh, who was in a lot of 80s movies, and then he showed up again in, in Dragon Tattoo recently, and it was the first time I'd seen him in forever. You know who I'm talking about? I don't know his name. He's like the Russian bad guy in this. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think. Hold on. Let me see. No, that's not it. I think so. Who plays the Russian bad guy? Can you put like elevator music over this? <laughs> well, I, li- I like Rambo too. Okay, all these '80s action movies. Everybody, Stephen Burke. Kind of- By the way, Stephen Burke. Bur- that's the guy's name. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He's also in the Tourist. Uh- yes, Podolsky. Oh, that's right. That. Yeah. Okay. I was shocked when I saw him in Dragon Tattoo. I- I was like, it's that guy, you know. I guess I really only know him from a couple movies, uh, Rambo 2 and Beverly Hills Cop. He's good in Rambo 2. Apparently, according to IMDb, he's also in uh, Clockwork Orange and Barry Lyndon. Whoa. So, Holy uh, shit. Really? Yeah, he's a highly acclaimed at- English actor, playwright, author, and director. Hmm. <laughs> wow. And he, yeah, and he wrote. Distinguishable by a dot on his head. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love his delivery Trademark in Rambo dot. Part 2. He's really good. He plays I, a good those villain. Movies, those movies are fun, but I, 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 I really, really love the first Rambo so much. And I yeah. really like the most recent one, too. Stallone is so so good at, at winning and then <clears throat> fucking up the next time he tries. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he gets confidence, and the confidence is the, is the death of his integrity. <laughs> Yeah, right. and it's just like the Expendables thing with this PG thirteen Expendables thing. Yeah. How could anyone in their right mind think that that would be okay? But he's right. going to go for it. Uh, I That's just can't believe it because 
because Rocky Balboa really I I don't rewatch a lot of movies but uh, when I got that on DVD I must I watched it a lot I really liked that movie a lot I know and the same I, I was really I, I did, shocked how much I loved it yeah I I watched that movie and I'm just waiting for the next scene because uh, I like each part of that movie I mean I'm all really looking forward to the the two like. Uh, crying scenes no there's three there's a crying scene with Polly. there's the crying yeah. scene with the board and then there's the crying scene with his son and i'm I mean, not really just just wait and wait and wait for those scenes i love them so much and i i really like the newest rambo movie he did those right but the rambo too as fun as it is it's just it's just so silly you know i know well and, that's what's so great about it i think i think as implausible as it as it gets as it goes along the more fun it is and that's yeah, what it captures that over the top, you know, extreme violence of that era of, you know, just going for broke and not care. Oh, yeah, well, let's just blow up this guy for the fuck of it, you know? <laughs> and yeah. to me, that's just, that puts a smile on my face. I'm not really, like, the the, the criticism that I, I read about was like, oh, man, this movie was so exploitive of, you know, Vietnam, v- Vietnam vets and the families who actually have, you know, MIA soldiers still out there and... I'm just like, don't take it so seriously. Come on. Yeah, that's the wrong way to, to look at the movie. Right. For sure. And the third one is like, uh, if you want to, you know, it has a, the origins of the Taliban, I think. That's what I heard. That's kind of retrospect. Re- I want to rewatch yeah. that one because, yeah, I mean, I know it's not very good from what I remember, but I still want to just go through them it's all really, for fun. It's really bad. Yeah. It has a lot of, a lot of like unwelcome humor in it. Mm. Well, is it is it like where people there people are playing that sort of the polo with the goat head and he's just like, just give me basketball any day. Like what? No, he's, he's like, no, seriously, he's like, oh, it's like football. Oh, yeah. I have football. It's like football. He talks like that in the movie. He sounds a lot different. So, Patrick, I know you had a question. Uh, no, and- I was. This sort of actually brings it up for me. I was thinking today about sort of uh, as I was thinking about Tyler Perry this will sort of transition well into our conversation about Tyler Perry uh but I I was thinking about sort of um there are I think there are certain uh I I guess the only way I really know how to call it, what the column is like raw materials where uh that people can enjoy like certain raw materials of movies and even if the movie itself isn't good like, for example, there are people who they'll watch anything that Stallone is in or, you know, they'll watch any. I love that actor. I'll watch him in anything, even if it's, you know, it's like you love Jeff Bridges. But, you know, there's you're not deluding yourself that K-Pax is going to be interesting <laughs> or, or good in any way. But you'll watch it because you like. Jeff, I have loyalty to some actors. To actors, but also just sort of like, oh, I like movies where there's a like, you know, there are horror people have a lot of I like movies where there's a lot of gore, you know. They don't care, you know, how the characters are written, or they don't care about pacing. They just they like that there's really gory. And kill. I like movies with characters in claustrophobic situations too. Well, I mean, that's that's more like a scenario. But I'm thinking yeah. like, because uh, I, I was thinking, I don't really have a lot of raw materials that I go. I certainly, I, I real, I've realized over the course of doing this podcast and just how little I remember actors' names and what they've been in. Like, I'm not an actor person at all. Uh, there's very, very, very few actors that all watch something because they're in it, you know? Yeah. Um, I was, I was, cause I was thinking like, what, Jim, what do you think are some of your like raw materials where if a movie has this, it's okay that you don't, you know, if, if whether it's an actor or if it's, 
you know, you just like, you know, yeah, you like, you know, you like a lot of camera like movements. If there's a lot of tracking shots or something, like, what are some? Well, that definitely is one of those things. If you know, if there's any sort of hint at, uh, you know, some Sam Raimi esque stylistic flourishes mm-hmm. to a movie, or I hear about it, or I see something in a trailer that appeals to me, um, you know, and I I have certain. I don't know. I guess they wouldn't be biases, but I'm just prone to movies that tackle some sort of psychological subject of sorts, obviously. Mm-hmm. Brought that up before. Uh, I, I recently realized, I think I've seen, I will see anything with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. And I don't know if he's necessarily even in my top five favorite actors. I just, I always look forward to, I mean, like, he has the smallest part in Moneyball, but he's great. And he's the best thing in the Ides of March, which has this amazing cast. So I always look forward to seeing whatever he's going to be in. Um, I even saw Along Came Polly. <laughs> I don't think because he was in it. I just happened to see it at one point. Um, specifically, I wonder what else there would be that I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe come back to me in a second. But um, Evan, some other can examples. you think of any for you that are sort of... Yeah, um... Let me think. I, there's definitely some actors that I can't think of. I can't put my finger on any right now. A couple of directors, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think- but as far as... Uh, as I, I will watch... I'll usually enjoy any movie that has a, that is structured around a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's a... Time travel. Time travel <clears throat> for me. Yeah, you love time I'm, travel. You yeah. love all time travel movies. You like things about fathers. Oh, yeah. I mean those. I mean, at least those impact you a lot, for sure. Um, my thing is is constant, constant. I want every concentration. I want everything to be like set up at the beginning, yeah, and then play out from there. So I like. Mm-hmm. That's why I like tournament movies. I guess I really like siege movies. Um, yeah, tight construction, like you were talking about with uh, Haywire, and how you like tight yeah. action movies. That's exactly what I really love get, the most out of movies. Get ready for the raid. Evan, I hear nothing. Man, I'm so so fucking ready for the raid. You everybody, don't know. yeah, everybody is raving about that movie. Out of <clears> well, somebody tweeted that maybe because I live in Taiwan, I might be able to go find it on DVD right now. Really? I, but I don't know if that's true or not. Like, <laughs> have I just been a like... racist? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was I was thinking for me, uh, it's I think a really like a light, playful tone. Um, will carry me through like I think Tank Girl is one mm-hmm. is I love Tank Girl and there are so many people have so many problems with it. I, I don't. Mean, this is why you like Superman three. Superman three, exactly. Yeah. Superman three has a lot of pacing issues and it's like, oh well the plot doesn't make sense and the villains aren't strong and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of act like I I value a playful tone over all of those things, you know? Um Especially because I think the action in the Superman movies are always is pretty weak, just because of the limitations of uh, the seventies, you know, in the, yeah. in the eighties. But mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I like that. I like. Um, I really like. I, I realized actually, kind of funnily enough, when I was watching these Tyler Perry movies, despite the fact that Tyler Perry does this horribly, I really like when characters in movies just have conversations about something that isn't the plot. Um, like I think, because I was thinking about how it's done right, and um, hmm. like Spike Lee, like in Jungle Fever, there's the scene where all the women are talking about like the troubles with dating black men these days and stuff, and it's it's totally something that Tyler Perry keeps trying to do in his movies. Not to jump to the Tyler Perry discussion, but yeah, and he always does it wrong. But 
like I love the idea that c- people are just having honest conversations. Um, I like when it's clear that the director has a like uh, like r- something Robert Altman does all the time, where he'll just have a real sense of humor, um, where you can tell that he's not even taking the plot seriously. Um, I mm. like that. Um, so digressions. Yeah, when they're done right, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the 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 sort of theatrical approach to films sometimes, like. The Servant and The Sunset Limited. I like that Like limited approach. sets? Yeah, uh, limited sets with people just having those conversations. And even if it's a play adaptation, I'm kind of down for that, just seeing mm-hmm. it in uh, a different way, a different approach. But yeah. I like it when there's a simple story and there's four people just trying to deal with it yeah. or work around it. Um, I just hate it a lot of times those movies devolve into people screaming at each other. True, like Carnage. <laughs> Does Carnage do that? Yes, it does. That's all. I, even people who like Carnage pretty much have said that. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you the opposite. The opposite of your question. Things that I just don't like is even though I like Tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's people crying and screaming at each other. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Like uh, as, a, as a shorthand for drama. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sort of depends. I mean, sometimes melodrama works. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean. I guess maybe Douglas Sirk did that well in a more subdued way, you know? I don't I mean, think he was always crying and screaming, no, though. No, it wasn't like hysterics. Things, yeah. Um, oh, one thing I realized, again, watching Tyler Perry, despite the fact that the movie is horrible, uh, something I first realized, I think, when in the bedroom is when, it, when an argument or something gets intense, and then the, and then the couple, like one person's trying to walk away from the argument, it and the other person the follows floor. them, and the camera just follows them through all these rooms and stuff. I love that's when a big he, Tyler Perry thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I noticed. I think the first time I really super noticed that was in uh, in the bedroom, uh, where uh, with Tom Wilkinson and uh, Sissy Spacek, and where they're like the final sort of climax where they just sort of break down and they're chasing each other through rooms. I love like the camera going through doorways and stuff, and you know, even more than you know, you know, De Palma esque kind of tracking shots that are show it, showing off. I just like long takes, you know. Yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, that's probably a lot from just. Uh, I like long takes, and then I also like long shots, like where conversations are happening, but you can't make out the characters' faces. Like Altman and Woody Allen both do that a lot. Yeah. Where definitely. I love that Woody Allen always shoots from across the street, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. where people are walking and talking, and you you know you can't really make them out, and they'll stop and. It's just the camera stays on him. That's it. You know, it's not. It's not a what you would consider like a you know De Palma esque or a uh, uh, Argento esque kind of fancy move camera movement. But I, I like that. I love it when um, when a scene, the business of the scene is over and it's about to cut, but right before it does, somebody says some offhand <laughs> thing. That's that, but it's a real character thing, you know. Yeah. And you're left with that before the scene ends and. It helps you know the character more, and it's that's not something that happens a whole lot. I was I watched the eyes of Thora Mars, uh, maybe like a couple of months ago, and it was full of that. And I was reminded how how what a useful thing that is, and and it doesn't impact running time so much that I, I mean I wish that they would still do stuff like that. You know, like let characters say one thing every once in a while. It's a little odd and stuff that tells you about their character. I've never seen that movie. I've been meaning to though. Didn't John Carpenter have something to do with that? Did he write it? Hey, he wrote it. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah. 
I love watching these old 70s movies and you, everybody just keeps popping up and they're all recognizable, but mm-hmm. they're younger, you know. And it's just like a, it becomes a bigger and bigger treat as the movie goes along because it's just, it's just completely populated by people that you already like. And you didn't know they were in it because they're, you know, they're not starring in it, yeah. but that, I, just, I don't know. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of movies where Harvey Keitel will pop up and you're like, oh, shit, it's Harvey Keitel. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of yeah. which, uh, I really, really love shooting on, shooting on location in busy cities, especially 70s New York, of course, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mean streets, of course, but also, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, James Tubak movie Fingers. Uh-uh. There's a lot of uh, following uh, sort of Harvey Keitel around. Um, you know, what, wasn't New York the sequel Street. called The Hand? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then after that, it was The Arm, right? And then it was just Upper Body. <sighs> yeah, that was a. When did, a they, when did they? When did they get the ass? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, sadly it got canceled before they got to ass. Oh yeah, oh, I mean they. Well, you, I think Cartel. I think Kaitel would have come back for that one. Yeah, yeah he for totally sure. would. I mean, I think you, it was called the piano. You want to you want to feel bad about them, <laughs> but at the same time, they did they did get all the way to upper body, and it's like <laughs> they got their shot. You know, this yeah. isn't a lemony snicket, a golden compass situation where yeah, it just never happened. Golden, uh, it's just golden compass. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think this conver- I think maybe I didn't quite know what I was asking when I started. But I was just thinking because I, I just well, feel I, like, I feel like I'm one of the only people I know, especially among my sort of Facebook friends, who doesn't really care about actors. Not doesn't care because I mean actors give great performances and that usually makes it for a great movie. But I rarely see at like I rarely, for example, casting news never excites me ever. I don't think eh, I've no, me neither. Not me really. Neither. Not really. I mean, movie news in general doesn't excite me at all yeah. anymore. Yeah, I've noticed that more and more. I'm starting to get to that. I mean, I used to read Entertainment Weekly and be like, "Ooh," but you know, some sometimes those things don't even fully come into fruition. And you know, it's like, why get your hopes up about it now? And if it's not even going to come out or whatever, and I don't know, like that kind of stuff. I I just get excited by by seeing a trailer and oh, that person's in it. That's cool. You know. You know. I mean, I, I don't even I don't even watch trailers. Kind of do, kind of do every now and then, especially when they're posted up at a lot of these movie blogs I read, and they're like, "Ooh, check this out," and I don't like mm-hmm. it when it gives too much away. Like everybody was saying that about Drive when that came out, that oh my god, avoid that trailer, avoid it. And I st- I saw it, <laughs> and I still enjoyed the movie, you know. Um, yeah, I never so, I never saw the Drive trailer. Yeah. I think I think the thing about Drive though is it feels it's so inevitable for inevitable. You know, it's very sort of a stock script, or not script, yeah. I should say, but stock story, and mm-hmm. the sort of slide into you know where he loses control. That's like you don't need. I mean, if you if you if you know about movies, then you know what's going to happen, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> that's really <laughs> funny, man. I when I watched Drive. I spent the first half looking forward to. Uh, their big car race they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. <laughs> I guess it does subvert expectations that way. There's like not much driving in that movie. I know. I yeah. wanted my money back. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I think a big difference between you and me is like I was I ran out to see my week with Marilyn just because Michelle Williams was right. In it. And, and you've seen both Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movies. We, we have to go there again. <laughs> this, is, this, is call, this was a big callback to episode three. Now yeah. that I've listened, <laughs> that's when we brought this up. That you love Amber Tamblyn. I, I do, kinda. <laughs> but sorry. I like Michelle Williams a lot more. 
and <laughs> I think Carrie Mulligan's very talented. Do we have to go through my list or did, something? Did you watch Yes Man? What? Wait, who was in Yes Man? I thought <laughs> Zoe Deschanel. I don't like yeah. her as Do much like anymore. Her? I don't like her as he much anymore. He used to like her a lot because yeah. he because he's a huge fan of all the real girls. Yeah, that was it. But now I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm just mature, saying that mature. is something that set, that's very different between me and you. Like you were saying, and that's fine. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I think I, I have preferences. You know, I mean, but I'm also gonna. I will see movies without her, and you know, it's. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, oh well, she picks good movies for the most part. Right. My week with Marilyn was not one of those good movies, but I, she was good. In I just. It. I think it's sort of an interesting phenomenon where you can. Uh, sort of block out things because there are because of key items in it you know whether you know at the most base level people who love the Transformers movies because dude there's robots fighting and buildings exploding like or Chicago gets attacked in the third one and that's why oh maybe I'll go see that but then everybody said don't bother yeah but I'm, I'm just saying like that is sort of what Hollywood is based around now but and even though there are you know the you know cinephiles and stuff there are still things that get them that you know that get them excited and where they are excited about certain parts instead of sort of the whole picture you know they don't yeah and to transition into our director pretty soon here i didn't get excited at all yeah. about um the majority of tyler perry's work and uh i i, w- I kept texting patrick saying i'm pretty much bewildered by I'm not really getting entertainment value from this, and that's not the approach to take. No. Like, that, not looking, looking for good in a Tyler Perry movie is kind of futile. And Bewilderment's good, though. I you were on so. the right track with Bewilderment. Yeah. I thought, yeah, and I just, I kind of went, why? <laughs> why yeah, yeah. would this have the kind of following it does when it's so inept and poorly put together and his perceptions of men and women are completely wrong <laughs> in my opinion i just it's um it's a really interesting thing to discuss uh in general i mean yeah you're asking you're asking the right questions but i think it's those questions that make the movies so fascinating they're okay. fascinating they're not good movies no. sure. right right and i can acknowledge that much though i, I though i will say the the thing that most surprised me um, about his films is that there are things that are good about them that I never would have expected. But there are some very funny so moments let's, sprinkled. Yeah. Let's just go right into it and talk about our director of the episode, Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry. <laughs> we, always, we always say it at the same time. You kind of make me laugh But when you talk morality You're a total psychopath You've garnered the anger Of the educated world you're so fucking crazy How do you get so crazy? You're Tyler Perry You make not so movies Why do you hate females? Why do you hate women? 
All right, you ready? Yeah. Tyler Perry was born in New Orleans, Louisiana in 1969. The official story is that he grew up with a horrible and abusive father and found refuge in his mother and her strong ties to the church. When he was in his early 20s, he turned to writing for its therapeutic effects, and by the early 90s, he had finished his first play, I Know I've Been Changed, and it had first been put on. Through the years, his plays gained popularity on the Chitlin circuit until... In 2005, when he starred in his first film based on his work, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. A year later, he directed his first film, Medea's Family Reunion, and his success and cult following has been growing ever since. Now, this is, uh, there's a lot to talk about with Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of, I mean, there's just so much, I don't know where to go first. Uh, um, There's a lot of misconceptions, I think, about his work. Uh, I think the first, the first, the first movie we're going to talk about is Medea's Big Happy Family. What brings you by here, honey? I just wanted to have a nice dinner, everybody together. You need to help her with her kids. Can't nobody bring a family together like you can. No. Hallelujah. Girl, I will stump a mud hole in your skinny, bougie. What's a mud hole? Byron, I want my money. What are you talking about? Byron. We ain't together, okay? Let me help you get these children over here. Yes. I ain't going. I'm so glad you're here. Lower your voice. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? (laughs) Everybody, here's Medea. You're on the roll, girl. You're on the roll. Shake that. Medea's Big Happy Family. Can I take your order? Give me a ham, egg, cheese biscuit. We out of ham. You out of ham. Okay. So that's his most recent movie. And and honestly, it's probably the most similar to what people think of when they think of a Medea movie. Uh, Evan, do you want to maybe lay out some of the misconceptions and uh, um, sort of wrong ideas people have that you've encountered with about Medea and Tyler Perry's movies? Uh, well, okay. Let me think. The first one is that is the Christian stuff. Yeah. Medea, who is the moral compass of the Medea movies, is not a Christian. No. So. I mean, she she talks about God, but she won't go to church or any. She's she's a violent character, and she doesn't care about any of that. She's stuff. a former stripper and gangster, <laughs> right? Right. From what yeah. I can gather, <laughs> and I think I think in uh, I think she killed husbands just to get the insurance money. <laughs> is that real? One movie is is that uh, implied? It's implied in one movie, but it's something I read. Uh, straight out in some side material regarding Tyler Perry or regarding Medea, I guess. So, so Medea is that's how she has her money. So the moral compass of the Medea movies is a murdering ex stripper who, um, lashes out in insane violence. Probably, probably the most, uh, clear and infamous example in uh, big happy family would be that she, that because they stopped serving breakfast at a, at a fast food, she goes all defense on them. She drives her car through the restaurant um, and goes behind the counter and just starts beating the shit out of the uh, um, no, no, no. employee. 
But she doesn't hurt anybody. She doesn't? Not really. I mean, she drives through there, and what she does is she makes a mess. <laughs> she throws shit. Oh, that's right. And yeah. She doesn't actually hurt that lady, but, man, you want her to. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the other the, – she's an empty threat as far as the, these violent actions go. I mean – Especially considering the, how often she pulls out a, a pistol. She pulls out a – all right. In the <laughs> in the first season of the American Office, you see Michael Scott going to improv school, and there's the joke that every every sketch that he's in or whatever, he pulls out a gun because that's the that's the number one thing you can do. And where do you go from there? Uh, that's the most extreme thing that you can do in any situation. Right. And that is Tyler Perry, literally and figuratively. Uh, Medea will whip out that gun and just kind of like just shoot it wildly but it doesn't really mean anything no she never shoots it at people she's always <laughs> just shooting it in the air <laughs> yeah like like uh who, who sam the, the yosemite yeah yosemite sam basically yeah um but uh the christian element is a part of tyler perry movies especially like i mean there's a lot of movies you guys didn't watch right. uh i think two of them sort of climax with everything being okay because of a church service. And, uh, but the funny thing is those, those scenes are almost completely ripped off from the similar scene in the color purple. Uh, he references the color purple a lot. He, in the, in the play of Medea goes to jail, there was a couple of references to the color purple. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of them are like non sequiturs, like all of a sudden he'll just quote it out of nowhere. <laughs> means nothing and uh takes you a moment to be like oh he's doing the color purple and then you're like why and you know the color purple if i understand correctly is a controversial film as far as a movie about black people isn't it don't people that's not a movie where people are like this is the word on yeah i don't know some people don't like it for that didn't it win best picture that year uh and i mean it was it was acclaimed for its time but it was also criticized and i think Certainly by, uh, you know, the sort of people uh, who would, you know, uh, this, who would detract, you know, Spielberg later doing Amistad mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. other white filmmakers doing black stories right. and stuff. My point is this an appropriate movie for him to yeah. take note of. <laughs> From Apparently, like, he has a thing, like, he, like, Oprah inspired him. So it might be his tribute to Oprah. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, know. so the, here's the thing. She, in, in Big Happy Family, Medea's Big Happy Family, she drives through a, into a store and just starts tearing the place up. And I quickly forgot about it when I was watching it because I think the things that are really dro- jaw-dropping about his work is is not, you know, this sort of crazy caricature of an old lady, uh, you know, that is sort of the the main marketing point, you know, sales, you know, yeah, even you in, get used to it. Even in, even in Medea's big happy family, she doesn't, I like, I wouldn't even say that the plot is centered around her. She's sort of like what keeps things going forward, but she intervenes. none of the actual like character arcs or anything. Like she's just an outsider looking in. Right. No. And that's, that's the movie where she is the most active in the plot. Right. <laughs> in so, fact, I mean, and it's also the movie where, you know, you hear a lot about the afternoon t- or that stuff. Yeah, the hello. Uh, all the way that she talks. <laughs> that's that's like amped up quite a bit in that movie. So I think that, that movie is the first movie where Medea really acts more like what people perceive her as that don't watch Tyler Perry movies. In the other movies, 
she's a voice of reason and i guess she's supposed to be like a like a har a harbor a harbor of comfort for these troubled characters i guess but she's too mean for that <laughs> but um she is not an active part of the plot she's like this fantasy side character even in something like Medea goes to jail she's not in the movie that much it's like and Jason I, goes and to I think Manhattan people, I think people misconceive them as almost like earnest movies um, right Christian or Big Overton. Mama's House yeah which, uh, and I yeah. think that people dismiss these the way that they would dismiss, dismiss something like that and it's a mistake because th- that is just a part of what's going on yeah. and um, the way that she interacts with the drama which is not funny and so serious is part of why Tyler Perry's movies are so fascinating. Yeah, there's a really weird conflict. Oh, even in movies where I mean, we'll obviously talk about we we can talk about the Why Did I Get Married series, um, which you described, and after watching them, I have to probably agree as sort of the Rosetta Stone for understanding Tyler Perry's weird moral compass. Mm. Like even yeah. in those even those movies with that don't feature Medea or any or Mr. Brown, which is another sort of similar, you know, over the top character, you know, they, they really have a strange way of going back and forth between absurd, like over the top comedy and like just the most insane melodrama. Yeah. Shocking yeah. shocking melodrama. Yeah. Um okay. I, okay, here's another thing I want to sort of address real quick, which is, I think, more complicated, and I'm not going to give it the kind of time it deserves just because we need to, you know, we have a lot to tackle. But I want to dispute the idea that these are modern-day minstrel shows, um, these movies. Uh, I, I do, never got that impression there's, at all. There's, there's a lot, like, y- you can look at the Medea characters, and I think even more so the Mr. Brown character, and see sort of the lineage to, you know, uh, over the top kind of blackface characters. There's a lot of stump speech where we, you know where people are. It's all just malapropisms and stuff. And and there's a, and you know there's the there's the infamous sort of idea of a you know when black men dress you know dress up as women. It's an idea of cutting off their sexuality. But the difference between something like Big Mama's House or you know there's a lot of film. I think I think the Wayans brothers pretty much. I think is it Sean or is it who's the really uh, who's the crazy one who was actually in Requiem for a Dream? Oh, um, Marlon. Uh, Marlon. Yeah. Okay, Marlon Wayans in every comedy he's in is like way way super minstrelly and blackface and like Google bulging his eyes out and like uh, yeah. uh, here's okay yeah. here's the difference White between and, between yeah. these characters and. These characters are not not only not the focus of the movie like they are they are too, like they are characters that are small parts of a cast of black people with all sorts of different personalities and different problems and different backgrounds and I think that con that additional context of uh, in, if, if 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 the only black character was Mr. Brown in a movie about white people then there'd be no problem <laughs> You know, throwing yeah. charges of racism, and but I, I, but when it's in a movie that's full of black people, where the focus is are, are black characters who do not, who do not act this way, who don't really act any kind of stereotypical, like ignorant African American way. I it you can't see these films as sort of modern day minstrel it just shows. Just came off as more just exaggerated madcap comic right. relief. 
Wait, yeah, and these are the sort like you know, which I didn't always find funny. No, and you don't have to. You don't have to always. But I'm just saying that um, I I saw some. I I randomly the other day I just saw like a tweet about someone was going off on Tyler Perry and uh, and you know this is something Spike Lee has accused Tyler Perry on specifically Spike Lee I think was referring to his TBS shows. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Spike Lee doesn't like Tyler Perry. No, Spike, no. Spike Lee doesn't like a lot of stuff. Yeah, That's Spike true. Lee doesn't like the South either. I don't know if you've ever seen Crooklyn, but uh, oh, no. the other yeah, thing yeah, the yeah. other thing to consider is this isn't just like a matter of you know race. It's like there's class as well. Uh-huh. Like no Big one, time. there are no mainstream movies coming out of Hollywood at all that have any lower class characters. Um, I can't like I can't think of any um, other than like Larry the Cable Guy Health <laughs> Inspector, like. Which was like yeah. like 2006, like like Tyler Perry's. No, the, I mean, I'm sorry. Go if ahead. you want to, you look at movies that represent like uh, that are supposed to appeal to mainstream audiences and have an every man and every woman family. They live in really big houses and they yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not realistic, but that's I guess. Uh, that's I don't know. Maybe it's a fantasy. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe I've gone. In. I've gone on too much. I just I, – I really do want to dispute this fact because I believe a lot of the criticism, especially from the black community that's lobbied at him, is from this perspective that these films are all you know sort of minstrel shows and that they're – and the other thing is these aren't aimed at all at white audiences unlike blackface. You know, like uh, the, the idea – the whole idea is of, of those sh- is to create this sort of safe stereotypes – for you know, white people to engage in, but these like I don't know any white people other than you know you, Evan, that really watch Tyler Perry movies. Like, yeah, um, which is definitely. I mean, a guy, a gigantic guy, bouncing up and down in a dressed like a woman is is a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The physicality of Mr. Brown is a funny thing. Yeah, that guy, and I don't think that any. I feel like stuff that goes back to that lineage is also has elements of coincidence being coincidental. I, it's um, not even coincidence. It's just knowing that certain, like you can look at Chico Marx and that has exactly, elements, yeah. same elements mm-hmm. of the, you know, you can look at, you know, it's, these are things that this is part of American heritage and American comedy heritage. And, you know, um, and this is, these are things that get absorbed and, the uh, I just think the context is completely different. Um, yeah, I, I, and, I do too. And now I again I can't speak for the TBS shows um, because those shows are just straight comedies. Without I'm pretty sure like there isn't like a new rape reveal, and oh she had an abortion. <laughs> like <laughs> actually there might there might be on uh, one of them. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think so. But uh, I haven't gotten into those. They're hard for me to see in Taiwan and. Um, they're shit. I mean, yeah. even for me, mm. they're just unbearable. Well, I think um, yeah, he make. Well, I mean, the second season of House of Pain it was sixty episodes long. Oh they make God. like something like they do like five a day or something like no, that. Five, they do some, five episodes a week. Oh, five a week. Yeah, it's some like it's ridiculous, and obviously, it's not done with the same kind of thought that he puts into his other films, yeah, and therefore, it doesn't have it doesn't have those hooks that that blow your mind and and keep me interested i guess right okay so anyway i just wanted to address that um and, and that's my own opinion obviously you can it can be disputed i'm not 
saying that's the end all. Um, but I'm just I'm just saying that's how I feel about that particular sort of criticism, which is often the main criticism lobbied at him. Um, uh, My main criticism is just that he's a terrible filmmaker. Yeah, um, he is. But, I don't want to. I don't want to say that he isn't because you know he completely is. But okay, another misconception. I think Tyler Perry is a genuinely funny performer. I do too. And that that was the most surprising thing for me. Now I know you don't you don't always agree, Jim. But like in Big Happy Family, when there they're all when they're in the kitchen when they're in the kitchen and they're all sort of snapping on each other, and it's that's this funny. Long, like the plot just stops for them to sort of improvise, like do this sort of. That's the kind of stuff I like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is that was I was dying. I was watching that. You know, I was watching that with my girlfriend and her dad, and we were all just dying. That is funny, especially what? That okay, what is sure. is that? Medea's current husband, who's in the chair with the. No, man. Oh, so fucked up. Who's that guy? Okay. That's her brother. Okay. That's her brother. And let me see. What else is going on? The, Mr. Brown is like someone she had sex with, and so they had that fat lady, Clara. Yeah, that's Clara. <laughs> the funny thing, though, is, okay, so Mr. Brown is the dad and Clara is the daughter, but in real life, they're husband and wife. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> It's like a whole mythology. Yeah, I was That's asking. I was asking to... Evan before because when I can just... you draw me a family tree? Yeah, some kind well, of big happy family. I want to do that because Cause... in each movie you find new family members, new nieces and nephews, and, <laughs> and yeah. it, it it's as complicated as you as you want to make it. The real answer is there's no continuity in these. No, you know that's not a. These aren't comic book movies, and he doesn't give a shit. And people that watch it don't give a shit about right. mapping out the family. This—that's a nerd thing to do, and no nerds watch this, <laughs> except wow. for us. Yeah, right. Okay, but I want to get to what really blows my mind about this, uh, about his work. Um, and the first three minutes of the first thing I ever watched, which was the the play of Medea Goes to Jail. Um, now the plays are musicals, and they often have these sort of weird gospel R and B songs that are kind of crappy. But the first oh, one is, I think, called "Cooking and Cleaning," and is basically a gospel soul song about how a woman's place is in the kitchen. And if you want to hear it, just wait till the end of the episode. Yeah, we're gonna put that at the end of the episode. It is insane. Um, his movies are insanely misogynistic, and I think uh... if any group is going to be offended by his work, it shouldn't. It should be women, like. Uh, but that's everyone talks about how they're for these are movies that are made for black people but that's not quite right these movies are made for overweight fat black christian women from the south (laughs) i think that's specifically the really because i think it's just so i think he hates all women who are like born after 1970 like but the females are the protagonists in every movie except one but they're they're, the females are also the ones to blame for almost all the problem. Like, especially no, no, Big no. Happy Family. Big ha- I mean, You're not supposed to think that. I don't think you're supposed to I know to you're not that. supposed to think that, but that's why Tyler Perry's moral code is so fucked up because, like... No, that's true. Like, all the... De- like, there's literally a part where the one white... Like, the one guy's like, hey, it's our anniversary. I got you flowers, baby. I love you. I know you've been stressed out. And she's, like, she has a face. Like, she has, like, a little... She's... Like you know, she put has her, her mask on. Yeah, she has her yeah. face mask on. Like it looks like war paint the way she's screaming at him. <laughs> um, yeah. Like she's like, "You gave me flowers. What the fuck?" Like she doesn't say what the <laughs> fuck because they're all like PG thirteen movies except for um, for colored girls. But like 
she's insanely mad and they're all just like like the the main sort of moral of all of the movies that i've seen is like the problem in the black community is that women don't treat their men what right <laughs> like women don't treat their men right that's right like that's and that's so insane um especially because <laughs> yeah. these are movies that people walk into well it has good christian like people walk into the morals of them like that is why had the audiences come back? They don't come back because because he's a master of character or plot or anything. Like mm-hmm. they think, I just can't get past Jill Scott's husband in the first. Okay. Why did we get married? Okay, like his... so oh, oh my god. So Evan, tell us a little bit about why did we get married series. <sighs> the why did they? Okay, they're exceptional. Like there's no Medea, and they're the only ones that are about upper class people. Mm-hmm. Right. The reason why they're so extraordinary to me, the way I look at them as an assumption I'm making, but I do think that they're about marriage problems. And he's looking at them, trying to match these four couples with a problem where I really think he wants each member in the relationship to be equally responsible for the problems in that relationship. I think that's what he's trying to do. And because he fails, you can look at why he fails and that's and try to and. And reverse engineer his morals. <laughs> so I, um, huh. Okay, so go ahead. Continue. Well, I don't know. It's almost like each couple is in a different movie. Um, I because I don't I don't, I don't think he thinks that they're equal. I like I it just you don't think he thinks that. I don't know if he realizes. Mm. Maybe he doesn't realize that that the women are uh, for exception of Jill Scott, who is literally like almost literally married to the devil in this. <laughs> right, right, right. The very first time you see him, he's like, yeah, you're a fat ass. I'm not sitting next to you on the plane. And then she, it turns out she's too, she's too overweight to fly on the plane without buying an extra seat. And he's like, I'm not going to buy your fat ass next to you. Why don't you drive? And he's like well, flirting with her friend. Like, wow. Like he's already <laughs> sleeping with that lady. Yeah. He's bringing yeah. his, his mistress with him. Right. On this marriage retreat. So from the very first moment we're introduced to him, it's clear that he he is just the devil. He's like, a typical Tyler Perry. You know, she's a typical heroine and he's a typical villain in these movies. The he, doesn't give, six, he doesn't give a lot of his characters any dimension and depth. It's just like, here's, here's who they are and that's that. Um, that's kind of annoying at times. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, they're horrible. But it's, it's, it's especially true with those two, but... Yeah, the other characters in that movie have more interesting things going on, as far as fucked up interesting. <laughs> um, the I don't know. Let me take them. You have Angela and Marcus. That's the couple where the lady that's, yells a lot. Yeah, that's and, Tasha Smith who plays Angela. She is an alcohol, like raging alcoholic who again just screams at her husband all the time. And Michael Jai White plays Marcus, who's like, "Baby, I don't know what you want me to do." Like he's like, <laughs> he's just yeah. Okay, uh, in the first movie, because they each have a problem per movie. Yeah. Right? The first movie is that he's cheating on her. He has, like, an STD. And so if when you're watching the movie, she's really mean, and you're like, she's really mean. And but you're like, but he cheated on her. So it's, like, one and one. And then you find out that uh, she also cheated on him, which takes the balance out of whack. Now she'd really because if <laughs> if you look at it like math, yeah, you, you subtract his one because they did the same thing. Now we're back to he's a normal guy and she's just fucking. Okay, here's here's the thing. He goes, um, someone reveals his secret that he got VD 
Um, and then she go, and then her big secret was that she he got VD from her because she cheated yeah, on him. Yeah, yeah. Right later, and then in, he chokes her. Yeah, he chokes. <laughs> he chokes her. The scene ends. Never again in the rest of the movies is it's it mentioned that he yeah. fucking choked her. Like, if you want to talk about spousal abuse, that is the one to kill. Like, mm. there's no you don't do a light choking. Yeah. Like, and, and this is the, a huge bodybuilder. Yeah, especially right. it's Michael it's Michael Jai White. It's Black Dynamite doing the choking, and the fact that Tyler Perry plays that off like, well, that's just that's just where the scene went, you know, like that's just you know. <laughs> Wouldn't things, you choke her? Yeah, things got crazy. Um, okay, and, and then later, and in, these are the these are the comedy relief characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and then in Why Did I Get Married too, she references how he cheated on her, and she's like, because she still doesn't trust him because in Why in the first one he doesn't have a job, in the second one he has a job, and she hates that too. So right. she's just like a sociopath. He's married really to, crazy. Um, and she basically she references that he cheated on her. He never like it's never brought up again that she cheated on him. Like I don't know if Tyler Perry yeah. forgot his own right. continuity. That's um, the thing. He always forgets things okay. conveniently, and and leaves you with the information. Because the thing is, you almost care. You were interested, and- kind of. No, but, but he cheats you. And out here's of what I, I have. I I do not agree with you that it's one on one because he mentions, oh, I cheated on her, and even sort of Tyler Perry's character Terry, very very clever. Uh, <laughs> um, t- 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 Tyler Perry's character is sort of the moral compass because he's the like the blameless one in the whole. He he is really blameless. He's, what just, a shock. he's blameless and Christ-like. Um, so he is. If you want to pick a moral compass. He's the one who's always dispensing advice, going, I don't know if you should do that. Okay, so everyone is like, man, Angela's crazy. She's just screaming all the time. And But when it's brought up that he cheat, that Michael Jai White cheated on her, he's just like, man, that probably wasn't a good idea. Like, like it's really <laughs> handled with kid gloves. The, like, cheating oh, is not he... considered equal to her being a crazy person. Right. And then in the second movie, he's also like his wife cheats on him in her mind – because <laughs> she has a crush on a guy, and and he the movie treats it like she cheated on him, and yeah. even he is like, well, women are different than men. <laughs> a man could have sex, and it's no big deal. But a woman, and she loves in her mind, or something like that. So, yeah, uh, she was she was attracted completely... to another guy. And this is in, um, this is, I'm trying to keep this so people can follow. And why did I get married to Tyler Perry's wife? Is attracted to another lawyer that she worked with, and that is considered worse than if he cheated on her. That's how that's treated exactly. in the movie. Again, so my, it's true that they are in this couple situation is not one on one. It's completely he's good and she's bad. I, and, I think the and Janet Jackson's character is the bad one, even though she's oh sort of set up as the she's set up as if she would be the moral compass. She kill she crashed her car, killed the kid who was in the kid's seat, but I guess wasn't secure, um, and won't talk about it. She's a she's a psychiatrist, <laughs> but apparently. Like oh she, she, just, she doesn't know that part of psychiatry. No, work. she doesn't. She, she, she doesn't, doesn't know she, anything. She, she never, she never got to that talking cure part no. of that chapter of any book. So she is the problem again. The only female character in this who is, who is blameless is, um, is Jill Scott, and even her sort of thing is treated as if, uh, is treated well. Your problem is you need to learn how to step up and reject Mike, who is her. Literally the devil boyfriend who like mm-hmm. exists, especially in Why Did I Get Married too. Like he exists just to bring people pain, and 
Right. Okay. But he's fun. He's so <laughs> Why? Fun. What are you talking I love him about? so much. Like, he's such a dick, you know, but he, but <laughs> he walks into scenes, even his head, he just looks like a dickhead, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that element is uh, the most fun part of those movies. And, but, and she, she leaves fun him, and I guess objective. that's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so she does but leave him... she doesn't him. gain independence. She goes to another dude. Well, in Tyler Perry's world, that is independence. Um, right, right. Because that is her victory, is finding a good man. Not, oh, you know what? Maybe I have stuff to work on with me. It's, <laughs> I'm going to... Oh, number one, okay, so they all go to Colorado for this couple's retreat. Um, I'm sorry if this is really hard to follow for everybody, but I'm just so excited to talk about it. Um, well, they go to Colorado his movies are kind of hard to follow sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not so much that they're hard to follow. It's just because they're very simple, but they're just totally and all over the place. They, he just basically just throws incident without rhyme or reason. You know, yeah. the same way uh, people would spring, you know, the same way like a, a dramatic technique of a mistaken identity or, you know, mm-hmm. a misunderstanding. Like he'll just spring throw rape. Yeah, or AIDS. Like he'll yeah. just put AIDS right. in everything. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so they go to Colorado for this couple's retreat is – why did I get married? Um, when, when, when the big blow-up happens that ends with Michael J. White comically choking his wife, maybe with intent to kill, uh, but, but – you With know, a police never, officer in the room. With a police officer in the room. Right. Never mention again. There's no mention of him going to jail for attacking his wife mm-hmm. and choking her. Um, because, you know, that's, they listen, she was asking for it, of course. She deserved it. Okay. So after that happens, they're like, all right, couples weekends over, they all leave. Um, Jill Scott stays around. So they all go back to Atlanta. She's in Colorado and only like every once in a while, they're like, Hey, have you guys heard from her character's name is Sheila? They're like, you guys heard from Sheila? It's like, no, I don't know where she is now. (laughs) She just sort of disappeared after the map after she disappeared. You think she was, I don't know, murdered by the devil who she broke up with? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she just disappeared. Like, she disappears from their lives completely. They don't seem to mind. Again, well, she calls him. Like, she Tyler, calls him at one point. Tyler Perry's, it, it is someone like imitating melodrama without knowing how humans act. Yeah, yeah right, right. That's exactly this, it. Those people aren't friends. And no. the people in their marriages aren't aren't. Friends either. They They're all hate, hate each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the and the idea that it's like, well, you of course we hate each other. You know, they need to all get drama. Yeah, intense, intense. Like the idea, like his idea of marriage uh, is, well, of course you have intense, seething hatred for the other person. That's why it's important. That's, to, that's why it's hard. That's why it's important <laughs> to pray. Like, right. <laughs> but I, only, only. The one lady prays. Yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. other, the other thing I want to say, especially in these "Why did I get married?" movies, uh, but I think this sort of says a lot about his actual belief system. the The idea of Christianity is brought up, but it is so just like an afterthought that it, it, it's it's not the driving force of the movie. Right. It's it's almost as if he's created his own sect of Christianity, and he goes, "No, this is what Jesus really really meant." Like <laughs> that's pretty. That's actually accurate. Yeah. I've been to um, a few movies, and I got to see a live play. And it very much appears to me to be a supplemental church. And you can understand why people respond to it, because unlike church, in his weird way, he does acknowledge and talk a little bit about things that happen in real people's lives, like sex and uh, divorce and abuse and things like that. 
it's not accurate and no. it gives people a fucked up image of what it is. But I think that maybe it's like street church for people. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And it gives them some answers that I guess appeal, appeal to them. This and, is a little bit of why I want to talk about raw materials because I think like the idea – like even more so than the success of horrible movies like Transformers 2 or anything, the idea that people can go in – to these movies and these plays with the idea of, well, it's a moral supplement. It is it's, – it's teaching me lessons. It's a morality play. And that the lessons that the, the things actually teach are so fucked up and no, mm-hmm. one, no one actually pays attention and realizes it because the word Jesus is used and because, like, people hug – like that is that is like people are only locking into what they want to see and ignoring yeah. the rest of the movie. Um, yeah, it's it's they're they're supposed to be moral compass movies, but that's a disguise. What they really are are cathartic fantasies, yeah, revenge fantasies in some cases. Well, one way I uh, would describe describe it is just id unleashed, <laughs> and uh, yeah. there Which are is, times when the the theatricality of it all. It's funny, and then there are times where it's just shrill or condescending that I find completely off-putting, and that makes me not engage with the movie. The thing about the thing about the movies that keeps them fascinating when they go horrible is just knowing the fact that these movies are things that people consider good and wholesome and moral, and that and like the sort of cultural space they occupy in a pretty, I mean. Why it did I get married? depresses me to know that. Yes, it is. De- but it's it's like fascinating right. at the same time. Um, okay. The, and the, the the like, why did I get married? I think made sixty million dollars when it came out. I mm-hmm. uh, like, why did I get married? Two, I think did about the same. I think actually, why did I get married? Made like forty five, and why did I get married? Two made more. It made sixty. That means people watch. Why did I get married? Which is a fucked up movie. And when why did I get married? Two came out, they said yes. I can't wait to see what those characters are up to. Like, there okay. could be a certain audience out there now, that doesn't see why it in that way get, that we do. Now, well, no, they don't see it the way we do, but right. that's just because, again, the same way that someone who is super obsessed with robots punching each other or the, someone sure. who's like, well, I love, I love the comic book of Green Lantern, so the fact that it did stuff from the comic book, that's all I care about. They don't care about – like they don't, they don't know how to read movies beyond, mm-hmm. beyond what's actually being said. And that's not being condescending. Now – why did I get married? Two takes this to a whole new level. Where Tyler it's like Perry- a test. It's like he's <laughs> testing his fan base to turn against him. Yeah, and they—it's as Oof. bad as it could get. Tyler, I can't imagine a climax that's more yeah. fucked up and goes against the stuff that came before and confuses where you stand with these characters than what happens in that movie and the couple of dramatic scenes leading up to it with Gavin and Pat, where. It, I don't know how to weigh it, and I think about it a lot <laughs> trying to figure it out. Well, here, but I remember seeing that movie in the theater, and there was no huge reaction to that stuff. It was like business as usual. Now, I think um, – th- wow. okay, here's, here's sort of how I feel about Why Did I Get Married too, and why it's so unnerving and like literally – almost nightmarish to watch it. I did times. have nightmares after watching it. <laughs> yeah. Not anything. Because Janet Jackson looks like the f- is insane in that movie. Oh, yeah, well, I so think she filmed, she filmed this at this after finding out about her brother's death. 
Oh, really? Michael Jackson's death. Yeah, I think they fi- she filmed it like pretty much at the same time or right okay, after. But okay, here's the thing: in this, mo- like, why did I get married? Is a morality play, and it pretty much just sticks to the drama of the situation. There's a little joking, especially from Tyler Perry's character, but for the most part, it's just a straight drama. It's a fucked up one, but it's a straight right. drama. Why did I get married? Too, I guess Tyler Perry at this point. Especially when you consider the next movie he did was Medea's Big Happy Family, which is by all accounts the most comedic of his films. Like it's at, this the funniest point, one. at this point, yeah. he either realized that what his audience is like best is the comedy, or he realized that's all he's good at is the comedy. Because uh, which I mean, that's at least my personal opinion. That is all he's good at. But so why did I get married? Too has this thing where it ups the tension and it ups the insanity of the characters, where they are literally sociopaths. Where no one mm-hmm. is acting like a human being, they are all acting like, like they could kill each other at any mm-hmm. moment. But it keeps cutting away, um, almost like a Michael, like I, I this is like a Michael Haneke, almost like audience provocation. Like it keeps cutting away to the other characters, sort of making jokes about it and laughing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Angela, Angela shows up and is drunk and is like, "I want more liquor because I like getting fucked." Like she pretty much basically just says, "I want to be fucked up all the time." And yeah, you know, she never has any big consequences for being drunk all the time, and she's one of the more like level-headed characters when in the movie. Like, as far as not being a weak woman until the movie make the forces her to be a weak woman. Do you know what I mean? I don't. Th- like, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think level-headed means not a weak woman. I, I would not. I would not put those. I would not say that those are equivalent. I would say she is the. Well, cra- I would say that she's probably the crazy. Besides, you know, later where uh, Janet Jackson and uh, Malik Yoba go, like I think. Um, okay, so basically, she shows up and she's just screaming at all at all times and is complaining and yelling at everyone she meets. Um, and then it keeps cutting back to people being like, "Yeah, you know, Angela's crazy." Where like any other movie. This is the this is the scene where the character just had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. like and this happens all the time and it is it is almost the same way with funny games. Michael Haneke kept cutting away every time the like he's cutting away every time you were about to see violence, you know, uh like testing the audience and making them like this almost feels like if Tyler Perry wasn't Tyler Perry and he was someone who was, was capable of making statements with movies that weren't hor- you know like like I mean, bigger statements than having a character s- tell you what they what the movie's about. Yeah, yeah. This would be a film like that. This would be considered a provocation because, like, it, it gets nightmarish at times for me. Where it was, where like just everyone hates each other, and no one in this house should be married, with the exception of Tyler Perry, who's Christ, um, and his his wife, who everyone comments every three seconds that she's cheating on. Him. But because the tone is so inconsistent, it's hard to know how yeah, we're supposed to respond. Yeah, because he keeps pumping comedy into it. Yeah. It is, it it's is, so it, jarring. It is so jarring and upsetting and exhausting. It literally feels like some kind of mind freak he's trying to run on people. Like Evan said, like he's trying to test his audiences. I know. And you have these other characters who are not in the same level of nightmarish melodrama as the Pat yeah. and Gavin characters. And you keep wanting them to comment on what's going on in a real way but they never there's will no, he won't let no. them even her, the lawyer friend they're like so tell us what's going on with the divorce because she's representing pat uh tell us what's happening she's like you know i can't talk that's a t- uh, attorney client privileges i can't talk about it and, and as an audience you're like no i need to know what you think about it a murder don't suicide people- is about to happen like <laughs> what yeah they're on 
they're present for some of it, and they're just like, man, this late, you know, she's crazy. This yeah. is crazy. I'm worried about them. But because that's a character who refuses to talk about her problems, that's her whole thing. You, you, her problems are actually never discussed in Ever. the movie, right. and so you never really understand what's going on. At any point, and, do you understand why things are happening? But the things that are happening are so insane. Um, unfortunately, this this movie is not old enough yet for me to I, I fuck it. I'm going to spoil it because you you do, can spoil it. Yeah, I don't understand. All right. Well, I mean, I just I was just we have the two year rule, and this isn't. But um, anyway, if you really want to see fuck, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> skip ahead. But Malik Yoba at one point is just drinking straight vodka out of a bottle. Everything is lit in Alice blue like it's some kind of nightmare from a Halloween movie or, you know, from a horror movie. And he just starts like he just grabs Janet Jackson and starts like pouring vodka on both of them. And he and there's like a long, intense shot where he is like holding her down. You think he's about to rape her like at any point. That's the other thing about this movie. Everyone in this, everyone in Tyler Perry movies are so crazy, and Tyler Perry is so unscrupulous and so. Uh, I fear for the women. In yeah, these movies. I, at any moment you feel anyone could get raped. Yeah. Um, Actually, there's only one movie where where some maybe two movies where someone gets raped. Like it all happens in their childhoods that they got raped. Yeah, that's um, true too. So he and he's holding her down and he's like looking right at her and it's supposed to be I guess like he's supposed to be trying to break the sort of standard melodrama and go for something really intense and real, you know, like an indie film or something. But yeah, but because there's no context to it, Mm -hmm. it just feels like a fucking nightmare. And he's like pouring vodka in her mouth and in his mouth. And you don't know what the end bites her face. Yeah, he he bites her face. (laughs) Like and then he. And she tries to bite him. Yeah. He backs and then he sets their baby's pictures on fire. And she's like, that's the only pictures we have. And it's like, well, now we don't have any. Like, well, uh, and then it's just barely on fire. And she's just staring at it. Yeah. The, the whole, I mean, it's poor. It's horribly acted. But the whole scene is just so. But I think the bad acting and the fact that it isn't actually intense and it never actually feels like real, like their char- like their actual characters like it's another sort of layer of distance between the scene and the audience that just makes it so creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. Like it really just does feel like it feels like something opera. out of a David Lynch movie. Yeah, yeah especially with that. I lighting. don't think David Lynch could even be this weird. You know, I, it I mean, takes a certain a certain amount of earnestness and ignorance. I don't know. I would, I would compare it to something like like Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. Other, I mean, but other that than would fact- be on purpose. See, I mean, there's a big difference between being weird on purpose. Yeah, there's a safety to that. No, that's watching. That's a good point. That's a good mm-hmm. point because the fact that Tyler Perry, like, if you look at the movie poster for this, everyone's like giggling and gritting, and they're like, "Oh, we're trapped in our wedding rings." Like, this is yeah. literally marketed as a romantic comedy, and this movie made sixty million dollars. Dark, and it gets horribly dark. Yeah. And pretty much the only reaction critics or anyone had to it was uh, either. Like, I actually saw some reviews who go, you know, Tyler's really growing as an artist, like, that I don't like from, like, Washington Post. <laughs> like, people who should be real, I think, LA Times in, gave mm-hmm. a positive review to this movie. And the only, like, bad critic, like, criticism that the movie got was basically, like, yeah, Tyler Perry making another bad movie. Like, no, that isn't just <laughs> another bad movie. That's one of the most insane, horrible movies. It's. Like the the way I said it before, I, I, when I on my little re- review I wrote was like it's it's like if the room came out, it made sixty million dollars, and 
and it was basically everyone's just like, yeah, that Tommy Wiseau, he's not very good at making movies. Like, it's it's yeah. it's like people are ignoring the fact that he yeah. makes he's an insane man making these insane movies that make a lot of money. I know. And it, yeah, and if if they existed in a vacuum like the room, it w- it wouldn't matter. You know, people it would just be another oddity. But the fact that he has a large following, he's pretty much the only like black filmmaker in town. Like he's if you if you're a, if if you're an African American and you want to see African Americans represented in cinema, you pretty much got to go see Tyler Perry movies. It doesn't matter whether you're from the South or whether you're from wow. New York or wherever. Like that is insane. I know the, the dismissal of Tyler Perry is a problem. I think. Yeah, I don't like, think. Mm-hmm. I, I I think people I think people understand that he's bad, but I don't. I think they're misunderstanding why. Right. They don't. First of all, you know, people like weird shit, and uh, it's right here. There's so much of it with this guy that you can enjoy if you like that. But because it's Tyler Perry, and because they, I think a lot of people think they know what Tyler Perry is without seeing enough of it to really understand. I mean, I watched um, my first. I watched Diary of a Mad Black Woman. It, it wasn't until like maybe two weeks later that I realized exactly how fucked up it was. I mean, I had already written a Sam Strange about it and everything, and made all those jokes, but it didn't really hit me that I needed to watch more for like a couple weeks. And then I was on fire, you know. Like I watched all that I could, but it's complicated how strange it is, and I think a lot of people want. Where their weird stuff to be a little bit more normal than this, uh, or understandable than this. This isn't understandable. It's too, it's it's too foreign. How bad these movies are to to comprehend sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm I almost think... wondering if having a, a an audience interaction would be a very entertaining experience too, just to see what people, what, what audience though, because well, I don't think his audience has realized this either, or they would no, stop they going. Mm-hmm. His audiences are so pumped up. I mean, they, they are vocal in the theater. Like yeah. I've never that, that seen to me, before. That says like, you think, you think the bottom line, like you think the baseline uh, of Hollywood is like, you think the depths it can sink is, oh, it's all these remakes and people just go, they're going to go see Battleship because they played a board game called Battleship. Like, that isn't how far, be- how far down dedicated audiences can go. Like, that, that's a good point. <laughs> so that's, that's my other point about this is it just, it, how much it says about audiences. And I think the, I think almost there's, uh, maybe it would be more depressing for me to see it with an audience. I think almost. No, it's fine. It's exhilarating. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, that's it depends the thing. on I'm how you approach the. I mean, I'm think, almost wondering if I would have had a more fun experience had I watched this with Patrick and his girlfriend as as opposed to alone. In we had room. we did have to pause. We had to pause it like every you know every two minutes to to just say what the fuck and make what the sure fuck that, exactly. That's uh, how you watch a Tyler Perry movie. You look at each other with, and you're like, I cannot believe this shit. I cannot believe it. And that's the fun of it. Um, (laughs) The best way to watch a Tyler Perry movie is in the future after he gets caught with some dude and everyone knows (laughs) who he is. uh... That's what I was going to say. I didn't want to – because, again, I think being a closeted gay man is not something that should be taken lightly or should be made fun of. You know, I think that's a that's a really hard thing. I mean, especially I don't know if anyone's listened to the Todd Glass episode of WTF, but like that was amazing. Yeah, no, that was a great episode. Everyone should listen to that. But Mm -hmm. um, 
like so I I do not that the other thing is a lot of people told me to watch the Boondocks episodes on Tyler on Tyler Perry. It was one episode on Tyler Perry, and it I, right. I was really disappointed at how it was just a bunch of gay jokes. Just gay jokes. I know it's. I think that was unfortunate too. Yeah, because again, I that you know me like that is not a problem for me that he is a closeted gay man. But I will say uh, that, and you know, and if he isn't a closeted gay man, if he is just fucking weird and bizarre, then so be it. But I I think him being closeted would probably explain a lot of how he how he how he swallows this sort of idea of heterosexual marriage and relationships and he spits it out completely wrong yeah well i'll tell you something else and this is on the fringe this is just me coming up with like my own theories that i can't back up yeah (laughs) but but, you know that's okay i don't think his biography is 100 percent honest or something that's Uh... it is I, I think what yeah well, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you because I this is even probably even more touchy matter. I I but this is why I this is why when I was introducing him, I said the official story is Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. And I was going to I was hoping to remember to bring Tyler it up. Tyler Perry is I has I believe has no scruples. I think the fact that he is so that he is such an inept filmmaker means that his id accidentally comes out in a lot of his movies and i think oh, yeah. that's what makes him fascinating Most definitely that's the but fun i part. do not think he is in like an ed wood character who is like very passionate about his i do no, really do believe definitely the, the output he puts out and and sort of the the obvious nature of his scripts that it's clear that they're just the first draft and he's just so successful and powerful that no one will question him um the movie and this is how why did I get married? Two ends. Janet Jackson. After she goes, there is a scene, and I I can briefly touch upon where she goes. Michael Keaton in the first Batman. She grabs a golf club and basically everyone's like, "Hey, why don't you calm down?" And he's like, and she basically goes, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts!" And starts breaking everything. And she's <laughs> all of her shit. It's all her shit. All yeah. her shit. And she is screaming at the top of her lungs. And it is like the most embarrassed I've ever been for an actress. Like yeah. she, Janet Jackson is like before so she did, before she did these Tyler Perry movies like her last movie was The Clumps and before that I think she did Poetic Justice and she did like some episodes of uh, Facts of Life or something like right. she's not an actress who's like oh man I can't believe you're flush, flushing your credibility down the tube but like I just feel so embarrassed for her because there is a trust that you have to give a director when you go those places and it is so mishandled by handing it to Perry okay the end of this movie. Her big revenge against her husband, who's a popular, who's a famous, oh not famous, but a very successful architect, uh. is to go to his office with a birthday cake and get everyone to sing happy birthday to him. And then when the cake, by the way, Carly fell asleep while I was watching this movie, and she missed this part. Yeah, when I told her, uh, when I, I, we watched it last night. When I told her this morning how it ended, she didn't believe. Like she literally started just laughing and being like, "No, really, what happened?" Like she didn't believe me. <laughs> So she brings a birthday cake. She has everyone in the office sing happy birthday for him. Probably not his birthday. It's never – I don't think it's ever said whether or not – like his birthday either. <laughs> whether – okay. Well, wait, wait. What's she wearing? What's she wearing? She's dressed up like – she's dressed up in a weird outfit. Like, oh, is she? I don't like, think I even noticed that. She's dressed up like in a skin-tight man suit kind of thing. <laughs> okay. With a tie. She looks like Charlie Chaplin kind of. <laughs> okay. But she's pouring – okay, go ahead. Out of the cake – Pops like a flamboyantly gay man. By the way, uh, 
Reed but, Rod from the Fifth Element pops out. Oh, is that? Yeah, oh, basically, wow. it is basically. It's not. No, it's not Chris Tucker, but it right, is basically. Yeah. It is basically Ruby Rod. Um, starts and it's raining. Men starts playing. I didn't see a boombox anywhere. I don't know where the music's even <laughs> coming from. And the the gay man starts dancing, and then Janet Jackson goes ape shit, screaming, "Oh, you a bitch, huh? Why, there's your man. Why don't you go to your man like a bitch, like." Like, that was never an element of that character. To I know. Be, to be no, that. there was no, there was no, there was no gay. There was no closeted. No, there was no, no even. You need to be more of a man. Like it is just her, like calling him a bitch. I guess because she's like I'm mad. And there's like, and the whole time during this horrifying scene, there's just a dancing gay man in a cake behind her. Yeah, and then he screams then, at her, and she chases like him out. And again, the camera Tyler follows Perry. them out of the building. He gets in his car and yells at her and like, you fucking crazy. And she's like, yeah, whole time screaming, you're a bitch. Like really uncalled for homophobia and like all sorts of horrible shit there. Again, all depiction of gay people or references to gay people in Tyler Perry movies also horrible. Um, In the first, in the first, why did I get married? There's a flamboyant uh, gay couple who is like the most <laughs> casually racist couple yeah. I've ever seen in any movie. She's like, she's drunk, probably a 40 malt yep. liquor. And like, <laughs> it is like, it is oh. the, it is a dozen times more, uh, minstrel showy, but a gay version of that. than yeah. than Medea. But I, I always expect her to call them homos or something. And she never does. She treats them like people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She yells at them just I like that she, she 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 treat yeah she but she treats them like people sure but Tyler Perry the director doesn't no. right. okay oh god in one of the plays there's a, a mentally handicapped character I think it's family reunion the play and it, you wouldn't believe how how they treat that it's amazing oh, oh god. god but continue okay. what happens okay. next so he gets in his car and he's screaming at her the whole time she's going you're a bitch you're a bitch he speeds off immediately hit his car is crushed by a truck yep. Cue laughter. He's, he's dead. <laughs> he's like, dead. What? He dies. They cut to the hospital. Then it cuts to them, I guess, spreading his ashes against the the Caribbean. Like it's never explained mm-hmm. where they are, but they're like throwing they go, up. Yeah. They're throwing up fucking little <laughs> balloons like it's Badlands or something. And there's full of his ashes, I guess, and into the ocean. I wanted uh, Louis Gossett Jr. and Cicely Tyson to show up. Again yeah, yeah, because they, they were in weird accent. They were in the Caribbean scene in the first right. one. Um. And then, and and then immediately after this, uh, um, it shows it shows Jan Jackson leaving a college, like the speech she gave in the beginning one of the first later. film. Yeah, it says one year later she gets in her, she's about to get in her car, and someone's like, "I really liked your speech about overcoming grief," and it's like, "Oh," I... <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, "Well, thank, well, thank you." And then it's like there's a there's a wealthy donor and he really wants to talk to you. It's like, well, I'm kind of busy. Oh, please, will you talk to him? He donates a lot of money to the school. Okay. And then, uh, and then, uh, camera close up on the footsteps. Camera zooming up slowly on the legs. It's the fucking Rock. The Rock. It is the Rock. It is Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he's and he's in like a fucking tuxedo or something. Like he and he's just like. So would you like to have some coffee? And Janet Jackson does a big old smile, or as big as her, you know, her face will allow her, and then cut to black. Like it's a happy ending. They tried to he put a happy ending in the last forty five seconds of the movie. For the yeah. character who deserves at least. For the You're still reeling yeah. from like the what the fuckness of the death of this guy. And 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 her revenge plot and uh-huh. and her revenge plot works yeah. and she gets to move on with the wrestler. And and but it's like 
the again the now tone, you want to you got to rewatch the movie and figure out maybe I was supposed to be against Gavin the whole movie it didn't didn't seem like it but no I guess Tyler Perry didn't like Gavin and liked her it, the tonal shifts are so jarring again it goes beyond just silly and it like legitimately freaks me out like I mean I think me the, out I think this just, exists I, I think it's just <laughs> I think just the ending is silly but like the idea that it tries to like a, a scene where Gavin is drinking straight vodka and is yeah. fucking attacking his wife and pouring alcohol purge. all over her. I'm gonna purge. I'm gonna dump. I'm gonna purge. That's what he yeah. keeps saying. It's the funniest shit. Yeah, and and then like immediately after you got like Tyler Perry's character doing his. Um, <laughs> Evan described it really accurately as his his, at, his whole acting style is Doctor Hibbert. Because yeah, he just giggles. It's all his reaction to everything, everything anyone does is just like, hey, yeah, you know, that's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he does it in his other movies where he he acts as well. Uh, it's wow. So poor Janet Jackson. No, she's yeah. just been through so much. Yeah, and apparent, especially if that movie came out right after Michael Jackson died. I like, read that online that it did. Yeah, it's oh really my God. that upsetting. is upsetting. It is an upsetting and horrifying movie. And, it is and the idea amazing. that it is just that any of what Tyler Perry does is just dismissed as, oh, it's bad, you know, and that the, the specifics that he is called out on, like the Boondogs episode called him out, said, oh, it's always about a, a woman who has a bad man. And then she meets a light skinned gardener like like the one specific criticism in that Boondogs episode is not a thing. The, the hmm. whole skin tone color thing isn't is no moral compass. And I, I'm, I, you know, that's something I pay attention to in black movies. Cause it usually is. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you know, in the mind, why did I get married movies? And yeah, you said this on your Facebook thing. They're, these are movies about black people. They're just movies about women that like, they're not, those aren't, they have black people in them, but there's no black stuff. There's no black, um, right. Issues. There's no race. Why did I get married movies right. at all? But it, and it's just in, it's insane, and then there's the whole like again he's so inept with drama. Like I remember how I mentioned before the character of Dave, who is just the devil the whole time. Um, it tries right. to like it tries to make you feel sorry for him because he gets cancer. Like no character deserves cancer more in the history of film than that <laughs> character. Right. And there's yeah. and then like suddenly he's like a, he's a complete asshole 100 percent of the time, and then as soon as he as soon as it's revealed he has cancer, he's just like, hey man. Time is short. Life is short. <laughs> Believe me. I know. Like, they try to make him, like, have wisdom. Like, Tyler Perry has no idea. Like, from a scene-to-scene basis, the characters are so inconsistent. Like, again, this is the this is exactly a first draft that never got re- – like, he should have went one way or another with every single arc, but he – but because he's so powerful, yeah, he's the able. Studios greenlight everything. You know, the same way that a lot of indulgent movies by good filmmakers are fascinating, even when they're bad. Right. Like by a bad every filmmaker. Every Tyler Perry movie is a, is an indulgent movie, and it's a good thing to have someone who's so fucked up, emboldened <laughs> to do whatever he wants over and over and, I do and wanna, over I, again. I I want to say it is. It's easy for us to like laugh because it is. It's fucking lunacy. But I understand, especially if you're a member of the black community, and this is how you are. This is your represent, representation in film for the decade. You know, you black people in film from 2005 to you know 2012. That's Tyler Perry movies. Like I understand being too mad or upset to oh, yeah. find it funny. Um, I for talked sure, to, I talked to an African American gentleman at work who is a big movie fan. And that's yeah. why we, we always talk about what we watched during the week or whatever. 
And I just, you know, casually told him, yeah, uh, our next director is Tyler Perry. And he got mad. <laughs> he was just yeah. got like, he's a fucking hack. He's he like, why, why would anybody bother seeing those movies? I mean, he's, he's definitely a, a movie guy in general, right. but he was viscerally offensive. Uh, and, or offended, I should say. And that um, we can enjoy it with ironic distance is, you know, that's just maybe enjoy. another... That's maybe... A, it's almost offensive in and of itself. It is, it is a, like, just an example of white privilege. <laughs> so, well, the, sure, prob- sure. the problem I have, and this <laughs> came up when I reviewed Carnage, is that I kind of have a low tolerance sometimes for just spending so much time with one-dimensional caricatures and loathsome, selfish people. You have to understand. I have that problem, too. I don't like that shit, either. I, I don't know why I like Tyler Perry so much, why it's special to me when I have so many things that I hate in movies that are present in his movies. Well, there are elements. Uh, like, I watched the uh, the play The Marriage Counselor, and uh, the character, um, I think he's played by Perry Williams Jr. Is that the is that is that the actor? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I've yet to memorize the names of his reportary yeah. actor. Well, he played, and I haven't he, seen that play he yet. played the father of of the main character in it, and he was a riot. Like he, you know, he he was being you know sort of a you know a crazy, you know, sexaholic uh, father who was trying to give his son advice, and he was funny, and he and he elicited gen- some of it was sitcom level, but mm. at the same time, I, I I don't know. There's like every now and then, even in like the worst movie uh, i've seen of tyler perry's there'll be something that i find redeemable in a genuine way <laughs> I, I think his strong i think honestly if he never went down the road of morality plays if he never went down the road of pandering yeah. to christian audiences and he just became like he just focused on being a comedic actor or like there are in the was he in star trek yeah, he was in Star Trek, and he's going to be moment, the new. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be the new Alex Cross, the the character behind. Whatever that, that means, I don't yeah. know about that stuff. That's uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. But it is an example of Tyler Perry branching out beyond his core constituency, which will be interesting well, to he's, see. He's also the star of the new Tyler Perry movie. Yeah, no, I mean that's mm. that's uh, that's definitely true. I'm just saying that uh, you know that I, I'm just saying that beyond his sort of core hard core audience he is sort of stretching out um well real there, quick I, no go ahead oh, go ahead go ahead you was, go first i was gonna say in in the play medea goes to jail there's a moment where as medea he just sits down on a chair and just pretty much does some stand-up i mean he's sitting in a chair and he's as medea but like at some points he breaks character and he starts laughing and you can tell he's sort of improvising and he at one point he breaks character and goes no nah, that was tyler talking that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't Medea talking. That was Tyler talking. Right. And it's this, like, it's this weird thing where it's like y- you want to be a stand-up, but I think he cares too much about all the money he's making. To, to mm. like he doesn't he doesn't care about artistic integrity or anything. He wants to make money. Well, he doesn't like Medea. You don't think he so? Doesn't, he, he no. I'm, I've heard him. I read him say it. he if he could he would quit making Medea movies. He wants to retire the character, but cannot because. That's the character that people want to see the most, Chichin. But the hmm. thing about the thing, the thing is, <laughs> why did I get married? Movies are good because they're so fucked up. The other non-Medea movies are almost normal movies, and you can tell because they're boring, and I'd hardly ever rewatch them. Daddy's Little Girls is interesting because as a male protagonist, and it's. Uh, Idris Elba, you know, and he's pretty cool to watch. And it's interesting to see him not gel with the Tyler Perry aesthetic. Um, and then the family that prays, you know, it's just 
it's just kind of regular. It, it gets a little fucked up. There's another case where a guy hits hits the evil woman at the end, and it's a good thing. But for the most part, they're just kind of they're not that exceptional. The real exciting Tyler Perry movies are these Why Did I Get Married movies, but also the Medea movies because Medea is really funny. Yeah, like, Sometimes. and that's the number one thing I can say, and people will look at me like I'm crazy, but it's true to me. Like she when I watch, she made me laugh sporadically. I will. I mean, I will admit that the majority of the time Medea was on screen, I, I found her shrill and obnoxious. But I mean, I realize that type of humor is, you know, a subjective thing, and people can certainly laugh at that. And I wouldn't think they're, you know, something's wrong with them. I just right. If you find it shrill, it's not going to be funny to you for sure. Yeah, and it wasn't consistently annoying to me. I mean, it's and there, I I liked it when she was doing the vocal weird mannerism things with the er. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's there's l- weird moments where I'm like, okay, yeah, that was funny. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of it is just, you know, in the middle of a lot of shit <laughs> that I don't right, know if right. I had the, 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 the same level of tolerance that a lot of other people would. But I also don't think, like, I, I would definitely not go to the extent that someone like Spike Lee has and sort of lump him into the step and fetch it characterization that, you know, a lot of people have claim that he has because I as much as I didn't connect with these movies I think Tyler Perry has his heart in the right place like he feels at least somewhat you know um, I don't think he has I mean I don't think well, I don't, I think, I don't think he has his Christian, heart in the right place I think no I'm talking about like the, the some of the Christian elements or at least his sincerity and you know the, like in just how he's portraying how he thinks relationships are even if they're askew and not at all you know how I think relationships okay. should be. I'm I don't just, think he's cynically making these movies. Right, I, I that's what I mean. Resources. That's that's the right. Word. I think I think Cynical. he is. I think I. I'm well, he might is. he might be. I mean, he might be doing it for the money. Obviously, he. I think I think he he is one of the richest men in entertainment. Well, sure. Uh, and he wants to keep that going. He's not. Listen, he's not smart enough about what he says and what it, the stuff he says means to yeah. be cynical about this. I'll give you a great example. In Ty- on Tyler Perry's website, he has a message board, and sometimes he, he gives these emails, sends them to all of his fans at once. And a couple of years ago, he did one around Christmas time, and he told two stories in it. The first story was how he took a bunch of poor kids to Target and let them buy whatever they wanted at Target. And isn't it amazing? They didn't buy toys. They bought responsible things like clothes and blah, 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 blah. It was a story about how great he is. Yeah. The mm-hmm. second half of it was a story about how he bought a new mansion and all he was it's unfortunate but he had to install all these security things including guard dogs and somebody broke into his house and tried to steal some stuff and he was going to in he was going to um sick you know the the fullest extent of the law on these people because how dare they try to take from someone who created uh who, who worked for their money. It, it's not, he had no, he had no ability to see how there are sociological elements that cause poor people to steal. He didn't have any time for that. It was how dare you take from me. So at, at this, in the same message, he does kind of an about face as far as like what he's willing to be charitable towards or how complex he's going I, to look at these issues. I, and, I and I think that the cognitive distance of that, 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 there's not even an argument happening where this is just something he wrote and probably and just sent out. Uh, 
There's no one standing in the way of him making his points in that email. And yet he still said two different things that are completely messed up. You know, I, and again, uh, I, I think that's what's fascinating about him is, is that he has such fucked up perception of, of the world and that he keeps letting it out. I think just because you're dumb and, uh, and I, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm dumb. not saying he is dumb. I'm just saying, I think just because you are inept at writing, naive, maybe? which not, mm-hmm. I don't think he's naive. I think, naive. He's, I think he's a poor writer. Um, I think yeah. his yeah. scripts say that, and I'm sure those emails sort of said the same thing. And the fact that he is so powerful that he doesn't, you know, that he can do what he wants without people going, well, let's take a step back and maybe you shouldn't say that or whatever. I think that is separate from the fact that he is a shrewd businessman. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I do believe that 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 he makes these movies cynically. I believe because he's so inept, they still end up like sort of revealing his id and what mm-hmm. he actually believes. But I don't think he cares with a lot of cognitive dissonance. I don't sure. think any. I don't think he would make two movies a year with both movies having half half finished, you know, unfinished scripts. Uh, if he cared about the films, I think it's more well, just seeing a couple of the plays where I don't know where I, I felt like okay, I don't believe. I don't have the same beliefs that he does, but it seems to me that he's at least writing with conviction. You know, I mean, yes, even, I if, believe it's, that. even if it's I believe, even if it's manipulative, I, I believe. I mean, I believe the intent at okay. the end of the day yeah, that's, is that's what to I was make saying. money. But I do believe that he believes what he says, and I though I will say I believe that he doesn't really care that much about Christianity. That's just an in. I, I agree. Okay. I don't think he's very into that either. Yeah, no, that might be that might very well be true. It just might be another puppet string of sorts, you know, to get the audience to feel a certain way. Right. It's and a, it it's works. A, it's a way to hook people. It's a way to make people turn off their brains. But yeah, and it's sad. <laughs> it's not something I'm interested in um, experiencing on a regular basis. No, and that's. I mean, I find it fascinating, and I will probably continue to follow his career because I I don't think it has reached its strangest place yet. I don't either. I'm looking. That's what I'm waiting for. And I think you need, and that's why I'm. You know, Sam was talking about this off the air, but like, uh, not Sam. I'm sorry, Evan. (laughs) (laughs) You call me Sam. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, Evan was talking about this off the air, but like, I really want him to write it. Write his book before the blow up happens, because this is not going to continue at this rate forever. Like, something Mm -hmm. is going to. And I do not. I don't think he is going to easily transition into being a Hollywood actor either, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just not as, en- I'm not just not as energetic as, you know, as, as you guys are about, you know, analyzing his career or, you know, examining him as films that way. I mean, maybe it's just because they didn't, you know, work on me in, in, in the same ways or at least parts of parts of my brain were literally tuning out during certain things that you guys brought up and it it could have just been i was tired but it's also just something that i know doesn't appeal to me in the long run you know and it's and i i'm definitely curious to i mean if there's stuff you know especially apparently actually um uh, I just want to see a Death Wish revenge fantasy from Medea or something. <laughs> like where shit gets really ins- Yeah. Um, actually, someone was talking about that. Ever. Someone someone on uh, on Facebook was talking about that where they're like, Medea goes to space, you know, because they're like Why following not? the... No, but 
But what, what Evan was not... saying, the funny thing that what Evan was saying was it would, or like Medea goes to hell. It would be like it would the, <laughs> the movie the movie would be twenty percent Medea in space, and it would be eighty percent like a woman who was raped. Oh, just like Jason, <laughs> just just like Jason takes Medea Manhattan. No, <laughs> Medea goes to jail. It's just like Jason. Goes, Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, it's yeah. all about Rudy Huxtable uh, not being a whore anymore. Well, I, I was really pissed off when when that movie came out because I'm like, oh, Jason's going to go around in New York and kicking ass. Doesn't happen to like the last fifteen minutes. And that's what Medea goes to jail is. Oh. Medea goes to jail for about fifteen minutes and she kicks yeah. a little ass and yeah. she gets cornrows and then they're out of jail really fast because the real movie is about this other lady and. Mm-hmm. Kind of and, and about and about how all women this is and I think this will go more with for colored girls but all women who desire sex um, that's just gonna that's it's just a good gonna transition there into uh, for colored girls we should talk about this briefly here yeah. because I, got, I, I honestly mixed... think the why did I get married movies are more interesting than I for do colored too girls. I do too especially so. after experiencing the like I had watched um, a play Diary of a Mad Black Woman. And then four colored girls, and then the last two were the uh, the why why did I get married movie, and that's when I finally went okay. There there is a lot to absorb here. There's a lot to, you know, yeah. I can see why there's fascinating elements to his work. I didn't find it all that entertaining, <laughs> but no. I think four colored girls at, at least there there are things about it that were really good. Another song with no singers. Lyrics, no voices, unseen performances. Ordinary. Brown braided woman with big legs and full lips. Become yourself. I got a real dead loving here for you now. I guess this is goodbye. Like you've never seen it before. Ever since I realized there was someone called a colored girl or an evil woman or a nag, I've been trying not to be that. My skin's black. Savior, sorry. I'm not sorry greeting me at the front door. You can keep yours. My arms alone. Being colored is a metaphysical dilemma I haven't conquered yet. Between the opening I really liked. I thought, oh my the god, the opening is good. Yeah, the first, it's like a real movie. The first, I know. Yeah, the first fifteen minutes, I thought he was gonna like it. It looked like a second rate, do the right thing. Which, as far as yeah. movies go, that's not a bad movie to be second rate. So because yeah, I thought the he camera, was gonna do it. The mm-hmm. camera was fluid. The yeah. way that the characters intersected was interesting. I was and like, never oh my felt... god, is this gonna be Magnolia? Yeah, from Tyler like, Perry. That's and that's another, that's the thing you love. You like yeah. movies about intersecting characters. Oh, definitely. Um. No, but it quickly falls into just does, a series does. of soap opera plots. This is this is probably the chief reason um, why I think Tyler Perry has no scruples and is only really interested in his business um, because this is. Uh, I like that word scruples. By yeah, the way. he has. I none. like saying that word scruples um, because this was <laughs> this is a play by an. Uh, I apologize if I'm pronouncing this right, which I will. Nazaki Shange. <laughs> yeah, I think Shanjay, that's or I again, I'm bad at pronouncing names, but Tozaki. this is a 1975 feminist stage play um, that like it's, it won a, it's super well received. Like it won Tonys. It was it's a big deal. Um, it was originally going to be directed by a black woman, right? Um, Lionsgate <laughs> said 
why don't you get Tyler Perry to help produce this, put the Tyler Perry name on it, the same way with you know Precious, Precious or something. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get – Tyler Perry said, oh, I'll only produce it if I get to write and direct it as well. So he threw <sighs> out the a previously adapted screenplay, this feminist play, which is, mm-hmm. as we talked about, is probably the least likely to be in Tyler Perry's wheelhouse. He just, he just mm-hmm. hijacked the, the, the project. And again, I don't think he cared. Evil. And given given his sort of feelings about feminism, <laughs> uh, again, has a song called "Cooking and Cleaning" uh, about the the joys of women in the kitchen. Like yeah. uh, every every woman I've seen in a Tyler Perry movie who doesn't go to the kitchen, like that's an immediate signifier. There's something wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, oh yeah, I don't cook very well. And it's like, oh, I see, you're a hoe. Like. <laughs> So he hijacked this this feminist film, I guess because he like thought it had Oscar potential. He wanted to he wanted to expand outside of the Medea sort of films he was making. It is again horribly sexist. Like yeah, uh, all the all you know the women are are victims. Victims. Uh, I think I I mean a lot of the a lot of the script does come directly from the play in sure. these sort of monologues that the women's perform, which are it's basically Ooh. slam poetry. It's it's I just monologues, like right? The the play is just monologues. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's a it's a series of poems. It's called So a- my assumption the way I take this movie is that Tyler Perry it's like the machete trailer. He had he had the monologues, and he had to reverse engineer a script around them, right? Well, but he, but he, he chopped them up like he he split monologues between different characters. Oh shit! Yeah. Really? Like so? This isn't even an accurate like the the characters that the things that people say don't necessarily correspond to the, who they would be in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and I thought he did a disservice okay. to a lot of them. I mean, especially oh, yeah. cutting between God, the, the one where they say them at the same time. Yeah, that was horrible. It's like a, it's like you can. Well, here's an mm-hmm. idea that. That just, I, again, it's work. it's like he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. Like he's this is again his attempt at Academy Award filmmaking, but yeah, without not right. without knowing how it works. Um, I think the only person who really pulls off their monologue is Macy Gray, but because it's only <laughs> because her character is the only person, like who. Number one, all you really get of her character is that monologue, so right, it doesn't conflict with her tonally. Like because everyone else's story is very typical, um, like. Over the top, uh, rape and AIDS kind of <laughs> kind of uh, melodrama that he's that, you know he does the rape and AIDS he likes to sprinkle on things. I know, but I wish I didn't laugh at that. I know, it's <laughs> it's horrible. You know, things can be horrible and funny at the same time. I think that's I an important thing to remember about Tyler Perry. Um, you know, it's interesting because it's the only Tyler Perry movie that depicts rape and depicts abuse. Like, yeah. m- well, I mean. There's a little of it in the other stuff, but it's kind of treated in the same with the same knowledge, like like it's not even real, kind of. Mm-hmm. But the um, to see him try to like make a hardcore rape scene is an interesting thing. And of course, I'm happy that- and he does, and he does the like the number one sort of I don't know what I'm doing. So this sound, this seems a this this seems. Uh, um, profound, where he intercuts the rape the scene. Opera. Yeah, the, opera. the juxtaposition. Right. That's what's, such a... what's the opera about? Oh, we don't know. So what has to do with the... What is it... What does the woman being raped have to do with Janet Jackson's story? Nothing, really. Yeah. Nothing. So no emotional involvement at but all. But I do like her looking at the clock while she's being raped. Has that been done before? I haven't seen that before. Uh, I thought that there, was... There's maybe. a lot of... I, I'll rape... I've, a lot of rape scenes I've seen... Uh, and believe me, I've seen them all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, a lot of... <laughs> 
they, it does have them hyper focusing on something. I think Mad Men. Yeah, uh, that's true. You're right. You're right. So the, the clock. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a clock, but the hyper focusing on something while something horrible happens is uh, is another. Is it is I think a common uh, cinematic technique. Speaking um, of something maybe. awful happening, dropping off the kids. Holy shit. Pretty, uh, oh my god! Pretty. Uh, if anyone has, if anyone has any problem with Precious, which has you know, which I I understand a lot of people complaining that it's sort of this orgy of of suffering and over the you know. I'm not a fan, by the way. Of pre- which it, I think it is redeemed by legitimately incredible performances. But, there are good performances, but, but um, that's it. But I like. Nothing will make you just yearn for like competence, like mere just no someone knowing. Then that scene where the where the shell shocked Vietnam alcoholic vet is like is like, oh, who's that man? Like number one, his his wife arrives at their house in a limo, and he sees that there's a driver at the front, and he's like, oh, who's that man you're with? Like that. Oh is, my god. <laughs> That like, was fucking stupid. You said your you said your boss was a woman. Yeah. Then who's that? Man? Like it is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. And th- so his his result is oh I'm gonna pull a Michael Jackson I'm gonna dangle my kids out the window. It is it's uh, like so inept and so silly and it's like, no it's not like a comedy. Yeah, and it is the linchpin of so many of these characters like right. reaching the end of their ropes, and it is and it's just horrible. It's um, ridiculous. Yeah, like the direction just so inept, and you know, again, I really did think, oh, holy shit, Tyler Perry's about to pull something off at the first fifteen minutes um, as mm-hmm. he introduced the characters. But I think that is the one idea he had for the film yeah, as a he, director. He devolves pretty quickly. As a director, his one oh, idea no, no, no. is, what if I, yeah, what if I do do the right thing? You know, the best, the very best morality play in New York. <laughs> set that takes place in new york why don't i do that and i just have the camera very free and fluid and roaming mm-hmm. around and mm-hmm. like that was his one idea but he legitimately got some good performances here too i i think this is something uh, i do want this is another good thing about tyler perry and this is the good thing about any any black filmmaker who insists on making movies with black casts is that you're going to get a lot of great actors who you don't get to see mm-hmm. um unfortunately in this movie it's a lot of great actors uh especially hold on let me look up the name uh the, the Claire nurse Huxtable's real name uh felicia rashad she's good in it yeah she's, i think she's, she's pretty good because she's subtle i think the i think the winner for me is loretta divine who plays the nurse um i think she's a great actress uh oh she does a, her monologue's okay too yeah yo yeah totally mm-hmm. i i think she's really good she's uh i i mean <sighs> I, I think I like Whoopi in it, and I hate Whoopi so much. But I, I, I thought Whoopi Goldberg was okay in it too. I like the I like that she's in a cult, and that <laughs> yeah. I like that the one religious person in the movie is not the moral compass. Right, she's an extreme. Yeah, that that surprised me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but Danny Newman in whoa. the movie is fucking yeah. laughable. Like yeah, the she's way really she's awful. just so. It's it is really good, funny performance, <laughs> and it is and it is a weird thing where it's it's slut shaming. It is yeah. it is a fe- it's from a feminist play, and the one character who in- shows any enjoyment of sex is mm-hmm. like that's like, not true. The 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 more healthy the lady um, the nurse that's well the, uh, there's two yeah the nurse Loretta the nurse. Loretta she, Divine but that's her downfall again her downfall is that she keeps returning to a man instead of being strong and. Not having like, yeah, like there is but no. She enjoys sex, and it's not like she's like she's 
that's true. crucified for it. That's a really normal kind of. I mean, I like, yeah, that's, that's, my that's true, story but it's movie. not. No, no, it's. I like if they just I made a movie too. about. I would love to see a movie about like a fifty-year-old black woman trying to have a relationship. Jackie Brown. I, I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jack, where she goes, she's like, I. You've been with that girl. I can smell her audio. And he says, "Baby, I just been eating donuts." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't. I don't care who you are. You can't not laugh at that. That's fucking amazingly I, yeah, inept. <laughs> I've been eating donuts. Oh Makes me God. pause the movie and think it through. Um, but it doesn't mean anything. It does. I, I do like the fact that because this isn't a movie aimed at his usual fan base, right. this was the one where critics actually pointed out how crazy and fucked up it was. I read a lot of mm-hmm. reviews of it, mm-hmm. and they actually did point out, oh, this is insane. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. none of them said, and now looking back, all of his movies are insane. But for college, like, this is... You want to you wanna go, oh, well, he's a filmmaker, but he's been pigeonholed to one thing. If he could try something else, you know, if he could – like, this is – he can't. He can't do anything else. Like, well, I wanted to give this one more of a pass because at least the tone was consistent, um, you know, just in terms of the soap operatic, melodramatic yeah. tendencies that he there goes back and forth There was not a lot of comic with. relief. Yeah. It hits, it's hits some highs, I guess, that are surprising from him. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't pull But I think that's movie. in spite of him. It's ultimately I think right. that's Failure, because though. of the cast he's assembled and because of the poetry, which even mm-hmm. even you know, which like a diamond shines in a pile of shit. Like <laughs> like despite the fact that the poetry almost all seems out of place, he never finds a good way. It does, but I like it. Um, <laughs> I, don't know. I like the poetry too. I don't like Janet Jackson's. I, like, from, yeah. I mean, like the source. I I think it, it chooses a bad. It takes an okay metaphor and it goes way too far with the I'm tired of your saris thing. But uh, I think I think a lot of the poetry works and it's sort of exciting when it comes up and it's a Tyler Perry movie and they do that and yeah and it's fun to watch a filmmaker find his limitations because this That's is a true. guy who mm-hmm. who. You ask him, you have limitations. He'll be like, "No, I'm, you know, I, I'm good at what I do, or whatever." But I think in this one, you you can really see him trying really hard to uh-huh. do some stuff, and you can feel the the possibility, and even someone as egotistical as Tyler Perry, the capacity for failure. Because I, I don't even think he probably thinks he really nailed it. You know, maybe he yeah. does, but. And sometimes and that's interesting. sometimes you can be very forgiving of imperfections, you know. And this is just yeah. could be a case of you know, I like I agree with Ebert that it, probably the source material was unfilmable to begin I with. I don't and I don't agree any number one I don't agree any source material is unfilmable. You just need to approach it in unusual ways. I mean Naked Lunch. Right. Yeah. But, you know. I but I think I think there's some things that are just better left, you know, read. No, no, absolutely. Like I'm not saying that everything should be a movie. That's you know. that was one of the chief reasons. Like I think Watchmen was probably as good as it could have been, but I don't think it was very good cuz I think it's a yeah. comic. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, the best thing in the world is when somebody adapts something that really has balls about it and does yeah, something sure. crazy. Oh, so. definitely. Absolutely. And and you could almost say that about him, but I don't think he almost I but I, I think the reason I don't find for colored girls you know as fascinating morbidly fascinating as some of his other films is just because because of the shiny um, awards uh, awards grab veneer that he puts on it and because of the good actresses and because of the the poetry that he didn't write like his sort of raging id doesn't come out where 
in movies where you can tell he doesn't give a shit about what the camera's doing and he's just mm-hmm. filming the first draft of what he like I can imagine he wrote several drafts of for colored girls trying to get it right cuz I think he really thought oh this will shut up my uh mm-hmm. my detractors, detractors yeah. and it didn't of yeah, course cuz it's a bad movie but like this one he actually tried so I don't think I don't think sort of the raw like insanity that some of his other films have is present here right Which and is he follows it up entertaining with entertaining elements of it, of his work the fact that it comes that Medea's big happy family came after it, not only the movie, but this first stage play that he'd done in a while. Yeah. Uh, I think meant that he felt like he had to now, now that he did his thing, he had to give the people what they wanted um, more than usual, which is also why Medea is so front and center in that movie. If you, if you look at Tyler Perry's uh, career arc, which is the right way to look at him. It's a pretty interesting uh, journey, I guess. Yeah, you can see him becoming more and more emboldened, and when you get to a movie like I Can Do Bad All by Myself, which has maybe ten minutes of of Medea, and almost is a musical, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> has kind of a dark story. It's one of the better Tyler Perry movies, like legitimately better. Uh, it's him trying, I think, to reach the ceiling of his own aesthetic. And also, I think he's least conscious of his audience when he makes when he made that movie. Yeah. And then, then why did I get married? Too is completely out of this world. But here's the moment where he is, I think, hit his wall. Uh, not for the rest of us, but for himself, where he saw maybe the edge of it, and so he holds back a little bit, and you get the the new Medea movie that's just like big Medea movie, and. I don't know where he's going to go next. I'm very interested in seeing what's going to happen with him as an actor. I'm not as excited about that, but I, you know, I want to see what happens. And I mean, next got, year, next year, there's no Medea, right? No Medea. There's there's the Tyler Perry starring one where he helps kids out, I guess. And then I think the Marriage Counselor is going to be a movie, and I don't know much about I'm it. I'm kind yet. of curious after seeing the play. Well, the plays. Yeah, I haven't seen that play. The plays. Well, isn't Evan? You told me the plays are very rarely have much to do with the movie. No, the oh, plays they... sometimes the, the plot of one play will be the plot of a different movie. Even. Oh, weird. Um, okay. It's it's it, they're two different universes. Well, Man, Jer- the Medea plays. Jerry so Stiller is in the movie, <laughs> the, the marriage counselor. I think isn't I think it was news there was going to be a Kardashian. There too. is. Um, also, I, I want to say real quick, um, I was on Twitter in between uh, when we were on break. Apparently, Tyler Perry's uh, new movie, Red Hook, or um, what's it? Red Tails? Red State? No, Red, Ho- Red Tails was uh, George Lucas. Red Hook George Summer. Lucas. Yeah, it's George Lucas. Red Hook Summer, Spike Lee's new movie. I don't know, I've never even... Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In okay. which uh, he is playing Mookie, but it, he said it's not a... It's not a sequel to do the right thing it's just it's just the same character apparently that is a um a response to tyler perry's films oh Oh, boy the the plot on imdb says a boy from atlanta lands in brooklyn to spend the summer with his grandfather who he's never seen before Mm. man well i was just told before we started recording that tyler perry's little brother is making plays i don't even know if it's his little brother Maybe Big Brother. <laughs> maybe but someone three... he just, maybe someone just illegally changes his name. To... <laughs> there is a group of people that are now uh, copying his aesthetic, which is a bad aesthetic, but yeah. they're trying to ape it. And uh, oh. one of your podcasts, an ad for jumping the broom, kept coming up. Do you remember that? 
you kept you were on a net website, I don't know, and oh, you kept getting yeah. distracted by jumping the broom at. That's oh, the that's, Tyler that's right. Perry. Yeah, I was on jumping IMDb. The, I thought I thought jumping the broom would be a typical sort of upper class black family. Is that is that is like because. I mean, I've seen other, you know, sort it of... It even has his, his repertory players in it, oh, okay. and it's exactly like a Tyler. It's trying to be, but it does uh, not I've seen Because there are other, like, black middle-brow movies, you know, like... This uh, is different. Okay. This is Christian and about um, classism and stuff like that. And, be, you know, what I mean by that is, like, the lower class is wholesome and good, and the people who are trying to make a lot of money are... are uh, Selling out for black heritage, that kind of stuff. Right. See, you guys, I think, I feel like you've watched a lot of these later movies. That there's a lot of stuff that's missing from the first half of his career that uh, that isn't as present in the later well, ones. Well, I did see and, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and I was not. Yeah, you, okay. That was not crazy then, about it. <laughs> oh, my God. See, that movie is really amazing because it's his first movie. He, he didn't direct it, but oh, it's yeah, his first right. movie, and... And uh, it's uh, it's it's so crazy. He's already crazy from the get go because that's a movie where the lady has to learn to live, move on from her bad uh, relationship, mm-hmm. and she does. It works out. He even gets shot and paralyzed. But and a norm- he, she has a guy that she likes. He's really good to her, and the movie should end. It does not end. It, it goes on for another fifteen minutes where she takes, she goes back and tortures him. Yep. Because he's now he's paralyzed, and that's an that's amazing cool. thing to ask audiences to to be on the side of, right. and yet they are. Um, because a it's it's immoral to torture somebody, <laughs> for one. Even kiss kiss B, bang bang had to sort of apologize <laughs> <laughs> at the end. The other thing is it's not it's not a strength to torture a paralyzed person. No, it's it's a sign. It's like a weakness. Yeah, and some of these women in these movies are so beaten up upon that they become pathetic. So pathetic that for me, you can't be on their side at all. They're just so weak. You're like, I don't even want to waste time with this person. And especially in the the early movies, you have the you know a lot of them that I saw is just that there's no one to side with, and I don't know if that's there's Medea. But <laughs> Medea. like a Marx Brothers movie where you 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 waiting for the other people to stop, and then when you see Groucho or Harpo or Chico, you brighten up and you're like, I don't care what oh happens, this is gonna be good. Like she exists slowly to, it, it, yeah. In the Marx Brothers movie, she, they move the plot along, but they also just sort of exist as whirlwinds of abuse and <laughs> destruction, <laughs> and no penalties or consequences for what Medea does or what they. This is in a different universe. Then the main characters of the movie and the yeah. farcical characters, like Medea and Mr. Brown and Joe and that fat lady from Big Happy Family, they don't the, exist in the same... The, the, like the pot-smoking grain. Right. Yeah, her, yeah. Some of, some of that was funny. Mr. Brown was really funny. I love Mr. Brown, yeah. man. I think he's amazing. And then <laughs> some of the plays, you can see him dance, and you're like, I don't even know how this guy can, can do that. They're I think like, he's a lot he's, younger, though, isn't he, then? Like, it's a younger guy in old makeup? It might be. I, he has some gray on, in his hair and stuff, but he's an adult. I think they're in their forties. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just got so sick of Byron. Oh my god! That's oh my god! I can't believe that he's so good at making you hate people. Oh, my he's god. so good at, at inspiring hatred. 
that's why they're like cathartic fam- uh, fantasies is because you you need somebody to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to pretend that, that this doesn't exist. Sometimes. I mean, I've never hated anybody like I hate these people in Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> I know, I don't want to. Oh, I do. I like it. Yeah, maybe hatred I, is healthy, but maybe I just want to turn a blind eye and pretend that oh, everything's cool. There's nothing healthy <laughs> about Tyler Perry's movies. No, but I, I think I, I think we it. cleared up a lot, and I think I, I hope people understand now why he's so fascinating and so interesting and so worth talking about. Definitely. Um, I just need. I talk about him all the time, and I, I think people dismiss me that I'm trying to say that he is underrated. Yeah, no, that he's was. He's I, undervalued or under examined he's yes. able to do a lot of this stuff because okay. he's so ignored by people also um, though I, I will say i think i i thought i was going to be in the underrated camp when i first watched the play because i think the plays are funnier than the movies really generally f- and i thought yeah. and yeah. i think he's a funny actor and i think he's in a lot of scenes in that um and i think and the sort of the whiplash you get um with tyler perry's work in between intentionally and unintentionally funny uh i've never encountered before like it's if it's, it's, yeah, if, it's as if one of the characters in the room like genuinely had good comedic timing. I feel like it's a tilt tilt a whirl of that, just like going back and forth and not knowing where you're going to wind up. And sometimes it made me nauseous. Sometimes I'm like, "Wee, this is fun." It just <laughs> reminds me of how fun it was when Trapped in the Closet came out, and all me and my friends were up late trying to figure out how real it was and how. Oh, can I uh, can I sort of clear that up? Because I think yeah. a lot of people. Uh, okay. R. Kelly likes making ridiculous things. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, he intentionally makes ridiculous things, um, and but they are ridiculous, and that's part of the fun for him. He liked, um, you know, he's not making them ironically. It's not like a like a sort of an art, like a Das Racist or something, where he's like, oh, it's a deconstruction of... No, he, no, he thinks that. it's funny. So the thing was, the first chapter, like, I mean, he has a song like Sex Planet. Like, he's... he's um, yeah, yeah. And then the first chapter of uh, Trapped in the Closet came out, and then everyone's like, oh, R. Kelly's so dumb. So then he, like, intentionally made the rest of the Trapped in the Closet, like, chapters crazier and crazier so people would know. And he's, and he's going to keep going. Is he still making Yeah, that? I guess he's, so. He's going to make oh, The last ones were kind of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I only listened to the first two, I, and then after that I got it. I understood it. Yeah. I just – I think people assume that he is dumb just because – you know he's an R and B singer, and he yes he he's illiterate, <laughs> like literally illiterate. I would never call him dumb like that. Like, yeah, I would encourage. But there's that. a confusing level of like participation with the joke, or or are you are, are you you know you don't, it's hard yeah. to know if you're laughing at or with yeah. trapped in the closet. No, that's definitely true. I don't think I ever had that sort of confusion with Tyler Perry's movies, though. Well, I know that it's wrong. They're wrong. They're not. <laughs> they normal. are. And I really love that. Yeah. I like anything that's like that. I wouldn't say love on my end. I love it. That's good. <laughs> no, I'm like I'm legitimately, you know, enthused that there are people out there who get a lot out of this experience and it's not something yeah. I'm eagerly anticipating again. I think I think I I don't know. I think I would rather have Patrick drape his genitals over my eyes than sit through another Tyler Perry movie. You're just Ooh. saying that because I draped my genitals over your eyes earlier tonight. That's true. I, I, I had to do a comparison test, you know, Yeah. see which I preferred. Patrick, I'm working on this metaphor. Can you help me out for a second? <laughs> <laughs> Jim takes it really, these podcasts really seriously. I absolutely do. I do homework. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do research at so, the library. No, I, do you want to go ahead and say your 
three favorite Tyler Perry movies. Um, for me, it would be can, uh, let's not include plays. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, for me, it would be number one. Why did I get married too? Because I had not felt that feeling since I saw Antichrist. I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it is as bad as Antichrist, but it is in the same ballpark <laughs> as Antichrist for me. Um, number two, probably uh, Big Happy Family, and then I guess number three would be for Colored Girls. That's exactly the same for me, actually. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I think I'll do Why Did I Get Married to Big Happy Family, and then um, maybe. No, yeah, geez, the third one's rough. I guess I guess Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Hmm. Even though well, he didn't direct that, <laughs> yeah, it's but true. it's still a Tyler Perry movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll just stick with that. That's cool. All right, All right. Well, I, I'm cool. sure no one's going to take you to task. I'm We're sure. going to get lots no. of no one. Mail. No one will get upset that your third favorite Tyler Perry movie well, was only produced. This has been an, by him. an exciting week because your guys watching it has has made people a little bit more interested in it, and I'm not alone. Or myself and my wife, I guess. Yeah, not alone in the world. Well, I want to thank you because you you've been you've been banging this drum for a while, and it's only yeah. you know it's only when I realized oh I have a podcast where you talk about directors where mm-hmm. I realized that I had an opportunity to really examine this, and I'm I was not disappointed at. I mean, obviously Good. horrible. He was a horrible filmmaker, but he's I was not disappointed at the fascination I felt. I'm happy to hear that, and I and I I apologize, Jim, that you I'm, do not feel the same way. I'm I'm, I'm not as but new. Jim is not dismissing no, what's going on. No, right? I'm it's definitely important. not. I'm definitely not. No one's, not everybody's going to like this. No, it's a matter of appreciating what really is going on versus and, what people think is going and, on. And maybe if I had started with the why did I get married movies, I, I would have had a different trajectory overall. Like what I'm, what what you know what basically what I was in for. You know, like being able to decipher that better because um, right. I, I feel like those two movies, if especially the second one, I feel like if people really want to experience Tyler Perry's id, um, go, go for, go for why did I get married to and, and, and eat but that shit But the thing up. is you kind of want to, you got to watch the first one. Well, yeah. You got to watch the first one. Sure. Watch them both. View them. Yeah. View them as an epic. Uh, settle in with some popcorn. Why did the first one is still fucked up. So. I would watch it with somebody too. Yeah. Someone you love. Perfect for Valentine's Day. There you go. There you go. That's our Valentine's Day recommendation. Yeah. Um, now, next episode, it's not going to be so bad, Jim, because we're going to be talking about Gus Van Zant. A uh, filmmaker I like very much. Is that two gay filmmaker? Is that two gay <laughs> filmmakers in a row? Possibly. We won't know until far later, or maybe, yeah, maybe we won't. But I love, I love Gus Van Zant. We're going to have Jordan uh, Jordan Mason. Jordan. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. He's a he's an amazing musician and a good friend and I just recently discovered he is quite the movie guy. Yeah. Um I'm over on Mubi, M U B I and uh I saw um his lists and ratings and I'm just like, wow, this guy, you know, he knows his shit. So I'm really excited to talk to him now. By Jordan, if you want to listen to Jordan's music, uh Divorce Lawyers I Shaved My Head is an amazing uh, sort yeah. of folk album. That was my number one album that year. The, I love uh, that album. Jordan Mason and the Horse Museum. Yeah. Look that up. Please do. Yeah. We'll bring that up, of course. It's on Amazon. Divorce Lawyers, I Shave My Head. Anyway, yeah. so that's next episode. Evan, can't thank you enough yeah. for coming on. This Thanks so much, so man. This was you are welcome. This was so much fun, really. Yeah. Me too. We're going to have you back on, hopefully, maybe for a, direct, a different director. Yeah, let me talk about a real director. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, visit us at directorsclubpodcast.com. You can send us an email at directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. 
definitely do that. Um, At yeah, we're DC on DC Podcast. Yeah, on Twitter, Twitter. Join our Facebook. Uh huh. Um, you can read Sam Strange articles every week on Badass Digest. He does Sam Strange remembers and mm-hmm. uh, you can, Evan. This is Evan's character, by the way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Evan's character of Sam Strange. Sam Strange remembers and the fake news. Both very mm-hmm. very funny. Um, Absolutely. Thanks. And that'll do it for us. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you guys later. Thanks. For a real woman, huh? Oh, you're going to have it all and nobody to share it with. Vanessa, that is a good man you got up there, and the way you treat him is a shame. I don't know too many that's going to put up with you, dear. <laughs> I don't understand a girl like you. <laughs> you, you, you got a man, yet you're acting like a fool. Listen, he's doing his part, so you better do yours. Cause ain't nothing worse than him walking out that door You gotta cook and clean and wash everything Smile and grin and hand your man a pen So he can write that check paying all your bills Then he'll give it to you and you give it to him And say, boo 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 boo, how does that feel? know nothing about that. <laughs> ah, wake up, wake up. <laughs> you young girls don't know how to treat your man. Wonder, wonder why I'm single with no rock on my hand. Well, a man should be treated like he is a king. If he brings home the money that's all I need, I'm gonna cook and clean and wash everything. Smile and green. Where she goes, she's like, I, you've been with that girl. I can smell her audio. And he says, baby, I just been eating donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't, I don't care who you are. You can't not laugh at that. That's fucking amazingly I, yeah, inept. Bye, Ray. Oh, my God. That's oh, my God. Awesome.